0: who talk continuously, 70 hours, from park, to pad, to bar, to Bellevue, to museum, to the Brooklyn Bridge, a lost battalion of platonic conversationalists jumping down the stoops, off fire escapes, off windowsills, off the Empire State, out of the moon, yackety-yacketing, screaming, vomiting, whispering facts and memories and anecdotes and eyeball kicks and shocks of hospitals and jails and wars. Who it through the streets of Idaho seeking visionary Indian angels, who were visionary
1: Indian angels,
0: who howled on their knees in the subway and were dragged off the roof waving genitals and manuscripts.
1: It's the Round of Fez show.
0: where to begin. We are North
2: Americans. And for those of you who still think we're from England, we're not. No. 866
1: runs 0 fez 866-Round0-Fez.
2: runs Far from North America, where the buildings are old, and you might have lots of mimes.
1: Hey, Maverick, you're on the Round of Fez show. I
2: hate it Morning, buddy. Morning, buddy.
3: I just uh, want to give. Uh, hold
1: on, let me let me make sure the music gets point, put down a little bit. These guys are blasting it in my ear. Go ahead, Maverick. Uh, I just uh, want
3: to give big props for whoever uh, included the uh, the howl segment, the Ginsburg poem in the opening there.
1: Well, today's on Ginsburg's uh, birthday.
3: I don't yes, know why. Yeah, I don't
1: know why you keep having birthdays after you die. It seems like a rip off to me. But uh, this would have been his birthday, and I was John Turturro, uh reading that. Uh, and then, of course, into a little Dylan. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We're going to be looking for that Ichiban. Ichiban, of course, means...
4: Number one.
1: Number one. Eastside Dave came up with that gimmick. I checked Eastside Dave's uh, Twitter today. And... uh was very, very uh, surprised to see that he threes me. And I felt kind of good about that. Until I went over to I Lo- Love Ronnie B's Twitter, she nines me. And that means that makes me think like this. What is Dave? One third of where he should be right now? So you got a lot of makeup room to do. Uh, I think the big Ichiban here is uh, President Obama. Uh, saying, uh, let me get my opinion into the NBA Finals. Give me Lakers in six.
5: He feels he's on a roll ever ever since picking North Carolina in the the NCAA tournament. Well, that
1: wasn't exactly the toughest pick in the world. And I'm sure the Lakers come into this the favorites, but... And then other people get mad, like... uh Hey, stay out of it. Well, people ask him questions, he ain't going to act like he's the no-sports president. Do
4: you notice how they're only asking for his basketball predictions? Yeah. There's a hockey finals going on. There's plenty of horse races. Well, they also
1: <laughs> ask him about boxing. <laughs> I don't think he's allowed to bring up horse races. That would be strange. It's legal. Just I know it's legal, but to see him uh, walking around, he's got the fucking sheet all rolled up. Mm.
5: The Magic of, should come back like Duke did and say, "Hey, why don't you just focus on the economy, Mister?"
1: That would have been a lot of sense if Duke would have fuck oh, if Duke would have uh, proved him wrong, but it doesn't really help. Oh man. uh Scott, Scott, you're on the Run Fez show.
3: I got treat you on. Detroit Red Wings lose last night only to come back to Detroit the sweep the series, baby
1: well, best of luck to you Scott. Poor bastard. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Carla, in Illinois, you're on the ron and fez show.
6: Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Hello. Hey, Monday when you were talking about bikes on the road, Mm -hmm. and I I was siding with Fez on it, because, you know, they're supposed to be able to be on the road, too, until that very afternoon on my way home from work, a bicycle ran a stoplight, talking on his cell phone, and three people, including myself, almost hit him.
5: I wanted to hit him so bad, it wasn't even funny.
1: <laughs> Here's the problem, Gar- Carlin. I'm not going to... I don't want to say any disparaging remarks here, but you drive like Don Cumia. You oh, really no, no. got to be more careful. Well, nobody could seem. Now, I agree with is... you on the bikes. I just don't think that the bikes belong on the road. Uh, I'm walking down Broadway yesterday, and they've now have a bike lane, and um you know some people are mad about that, but I think it makes more sense. Oh, absolutely! Have a little bike lane, a bike path. Here's where you drive, but stop acting like you're a fucking car. Absolutely, cut it out! It's madness. I don't, I, I don't even know a if red the red
5: light. I don't even know if the bike lanes work because. I, because the cars have to turn, and they're going to turn in front of the bike lane. if The cars are still involved. It's like being on a bicycle. It's like a no-man's land. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that follows basic traffic laws there. If you're making the right-hand turn, the inside lane is going to have their fucking lane. You have yours. I, I don't think they're going to be cutting out across the lanes. That'd be their fuck-up. <laughs> thanks um, a lot, guys. All uh, right, thanks. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh-huh. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, Fontaine. Fontaine, you're on a Fez.
3: 4212 from JFK. What's up, buddy? What's that, buddy? I got a uh, bomb for you, Fezzy. What's that? E-Rock, E-Rock from the O&A show is the new... Fatty pneumonia.
1: rock could probably play Fez in the mu- movie. Fez could no longer uh, play himself in the movie. So uh E-Rock is the young Fez.
5: Well, yeah, especially if it's a musical and they're singing and dancing. That's really going to get the stents all blown up. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe musical. Maybe musical. I have no uh, real idea here.
4: I saw him today. Yeah. He comes to a radio station with that shit. We had to spray this place down like it was Outbreak.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand it either. Come on, Eric. If you're fucking sick, stay home. Why do you want to take down a goddamn... Uh, satellite radio company, where everybody in here speaks for a living. And, it, let's face it, uh, Cousin Bruce, he, uh catches that he's not long for the world. He's dead. And half these people have TV shows. You think I'm going to see Martha Story get sick from you, Iraq. E. Plus, you work the same place as your chick. It's just strange. It's just a strange <laughs> uh, phenomenon. Uh, Alright, I saw this uh, yesterday. I was reading... Uh, they're liking the opinionated Fez over at uh, Whackbag Fezzy, which I told you a while ago you should be thinking about making your, your new home. Right, yeah. Uh, but uh, they're liking the new outspoken Fez. And then one of the people posted on there, uh, Fez is trying until he's beat down by uh, Ron, Dave, and the callers. And I did think, as you're doing these truth bombs, I do point out your stupidity. And that's probably a mistake for your growth. Because we're not the, the kind of partners that can go back and forth anymore. We used to have conversations back and forth. But the show has become I say something for a while and then you say something. And then I say something for a while and then you say something.
5: Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's me. I'm, I'm trying to be conversational. Sometimes I just have trouble with it. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm talking about. It's not conversational. So the problem is uh, with this new outspoken Fez. And these are your real opinions. You're not doing a character. No. You really do want to fucking... This is the thing he came up with. Uh, He wants to uh, truck a deer from the East Coast out in the West uh, because he doesn't want anybody to shoot deer. I think it's a slippery slope. I think if if this starts happening... We're going to take baby seals and put them on the ice skating rink in every mall. I'm just not ready for it. But one of the problems here is I I point out your stupidity too much. So I thought I would do this. I will give you three straight truth bombs, and I will not comment on them. Oh, okay. Now I don't want you taking advantage and turning it into a bit. I want. Do you have three? Can you do three truth bombs without it being something so fucking outrageous that I. Feel the need to comment?
5: Yes, I believe so. Where it's just not into the realm of not even realistic. Right? I could do that.
1: All right. All right because, uh Let me check around. Hicks, do you think I'm too rough on Fez with his stupidity, with his uh, his new opinions?
0: Not, the dear thing was really too crazy, really, to not speak out against.
1: And then the other thing about it being the, the, the fucking company's uh, fault... Because the woman had a breakdown in England because she didn't win. Which, by the way, we're not even England. I could give two shits about what happens between her and the England has talent. Seems like it's their deal. What's her name? Susan Powder? Susan Boyle. What's the difference? I know she got America into shape. Uh, and that one seemed insane to me. That you want to start keeping um, you know, weak people off TV. Which is the whole point of reality TV. Watching somebody crack. And then what was the other thing we thought you were crazy about? Uh, let's... Oh, just the nutty gay marriage and constantly thinking that you're a victim. Just a constant victim. All right, so uh, all those things. Maybe I'm a little too tough on him. So I'm promising now. Uh, <coughs> three pr- uh, truth bombs uh, Do uh, that I won't comment on. And do you feel like uh, I, I shut you down sometimes, Fez?
5: Well, I I don't think you shut me down Mm -hmm. because I think you're, you're pointing out legitimate things. I think what happens is I get up. I, where you think more logically.
1: That's one. I, no. You just gave your opinion. I'm
5: not saying anything back. Oh, no, I thought I, I didn't think we started yet. Because I was going to say, I speak more passionately and, and right off, you know. You had your chance, so, but do you think that's fair that you're down down to two? No, I don't think that's fair at all.
1: One more truth bomb to go.
5: No, I haven't given any truth bombs yet. You don't think those first
1: two were truth bombs?
5: Well, they were truth bombs. They were what I was thinking.
1: Ah, uh, there they go. Three uh, truth bombs, and I do not get involved. Way to go, Fuzzy. You're getting stronger every day. Uh, Alan, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Yeah, um, about the whole deer thing. There's actually, I used to live in Florida, and there's actually guys that ship deer in from other parts uh, of I'm the not going to talk
1: about deer today. And, I am not and, going to fucking talk about deer. And we know there's some places that, you know, some of these fucking clubs that they, <laughs> that they just bring animals in to shoot. I don't think anyone really considers that hunting. Darren, you're on the Ron and Fez show.
3: Hey, Ron, how you doing, mate? Good. Good. Same the problem I have with these uh, fucking women who drive along suburban streets, and then they'll pull up, like, next to each other when they're going in the opposite direction, and then just wind their window down and start yelling, and will not get the fuck out of the way.
1: Yeah, there you have it. People know each other. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey Jim, Jim, you're on the Ron Fez show.
3: Hey Ron, word to your mom, Fez is dropping truth bombs. Here.
1: You go. Greg, you're on the Ron Fez show.
3: Yeah, hey Ronnie, I gotta tell you, you know, I, I this whole victim thing with Fez, it, it it is getting a little old. You know, I mean, I turn the show on every day. I do like the show, but after a while, doesn't it just kind of wear on you?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm down to my last nerve. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. All right, here is an announcement, a new supergroup, group. Uh, Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, and Bob Dylan are all going to join up together to uh, <laughs> to lay down some tracks this summer. And it's another one of those, wow, it's about 40 years too late for this deal. Um, by the way, they're calling themselves Baseboard Heat, and I wish them all the luck in the world. Uh, they're playing in uh, Paul's uh, mom's garage, or garage, as they like to say. What do you think of the supergroup, Dave?
4: I love it. And I know that Bob Dylan has been talking about Paul McCartney a lot lately, saying I've always wanted to collaborate with him. And so you know what? Bob Dylan's still making great music, and I think he'll have Paul elevate his stuff. So I think it's a great move. As for Ringo, you know, hey, Ringo's fun. Why Ringo's not? Ringo. <laughs> who's the who's the bother? Uh but really the truth is this. These guys
1: do whatever you want. You've been around for a half a century. You want to do something else, go ahead and do it. By what? the way, Fez, it's up on the uh, TV right now. One of your truth bombs did not come true. Uh it looks like uh the new tonight show with Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien is uh just uh, mopping up the floor with Letterman. They said he had a hundred share. One hundred percent of the people with TVs were uh, watching uh, TVs.
5: Just a curiosity factor. He'll be gone before September. Before Leno starts in primetime, Leno will be back behind that Tonight Show desk.
1: Now, Fez said uh, if, he, uh, if that doesn't happen... He would get his cock pierced. And it's very, very exciting. It's very exciting, Fez.
5: I don't remember making that bet. What bet did you make? I was talking about a head shaving thing. Why again?
1: Why would we go back to the dumb head shaving thing again? He's just going to Prince Albert. Fuck it. Why, yeah, why, Prince Albert's a son of a bitch. No I know. when you're down in Chelsea, you look like a man.
5: I don't know if they would be able to find it, to pierce it at that point, knowing there's a needle headed that way you got to come up with something
1: besides the fucking head shave, which we all know you like. Uh, Jeff, you're on the Ron Fez Show. What can we do for you?
3: Yeah, Ronnie, uh, I can't take this stress. Uh, I think you guys really need to have a drinking show today. Just mellow out a little bit.
1: Uh, those days are over, my friend. We are behind enemy lines. We're doing this show out of Suit City. Oh, uh, fuck. In uh, Suit City, Uh you know, you're know you not going to be able to pull that off. Mike, you're on the Ron Fez show.
0: Ronnie B., sorry about that. I just had a of my mouth full of steak sandwich. Hey, I it's wanted starving. to think what you and uh, Dave thought about um, the other Supergroup Chicken Foot with uh, Michael Anthony, Sammy Hagar
3: from uh, obviously Van Halen and uh, Chad Smith from Chili Peppers and uh, Joe Satriani comes out uh, in a day or so.
1: Yeah, it's just not going to work for me personally but that's just me. Uh, if you enjoy those guys, have the time of your life.
3: They should just call it Van
4: Halen Part 2. That's the exact same band. Why wouldn't they just call themselves Castoffs? <laughs> it's just that no one knows who Chad Smith is. You know, he's the same drummer as Alex Van Halen. And Joe Satriani, he's a poor man's Eddie. That's not good. The only super group that worked was Traveling Wilburys. Because I think that their albums really felt like a band. Not just a bunch of guys who were famous getting together.
1: What about Blind Faith?
4: You got a fucking problem there? That They they were fucking good. Thank you.
1: What about Derek and the Dominoes?
4: Well, I know Clapton was in it, but, oh, yeah. Who? Ginger, Ginger Baker.
1: Uh, you ever heard of a, a young son of a bitch by, run by the name of Dwayne Allman?
4: Okay. Does that mean anything to you? Yes, I
1: do. Mr. Fucking, oh, I love rock 91 to 94. <laughs> uh, here is, um, here's Mike. Mike, you're on the Ron Fez Show.
3: Hey, Fezzy. Uh, if, you, uh, if you lose this bet, how about you make your own Tonight Show? It's the Tonight Show with Fanny
1: 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Megan Fox said in an interview that actors are kind of prostitutes. We get paid to feign attraction and love. It's really kind of gross.
5: I think that is just Megan Fox's uh, feelings about herself. I think, you know, we talked about actors yesterday and being artists. I think if she feels like a prostitute, she just feels bad about herself.
1: Uh, I think if she's a prostitute, she needs to be a better one because she's not believable at all as an actor. Yeah. Is she fucking hot? Great. Put her in Maxim. But there's no movie I want to see with her in it. Not even Transformers? Not even. <laughs> Not even Transformers. What else has she done besides that?
0: I, ne- I saw her in an episode of uh, Two and a Half Men. Thank you. <laughs>
1: um, here is uh, Matt. Matt, you're on the a Fest show. Hey, good morning,
3: guys. Yeah. What about the Temple of the Dog?
1: Yeah, I would have thought you would have bought it all over that hungry shit over there, Dave. You love Seattle so much.
3: I just like the
4: Eddie tracks. I wasn't. Oh, a weak. Fan. I wasn't a fan. The rest of the album isn't so great. It's fantastic. Not really.
1: <laughs> One thing I like about it is it's even less eddy.
2: Well, but I
1: can't... All this music makes me want to get a coffee. Yeah. Mm. It's
2: on the table
1: by the way, this is the only fucking song radio ever plays by these guys. Uh, Bill, Bill, you're on the Run-A-Fest show.
3: Buddy.
1: Hey, buddy. Keep it down a little All bit, dude.
3: 20. Uh, first of all, I saw a chicken Bird, uh, Friday night at the TLA in Philadelphia, and they were phenomenal. Awesome show. Mm-hmm. And Dave's uh, such a music aficionado. Why didn't he remember the uh, super band that his idol is in, Velvet
1: Revolver? Where's your Velvet
4: Revolver love, Dave? I'm pissed a little bit
3: at them because of Scott Wayland.
4: So I- I'm hoping that Slash can find a lead singer who's humble, you know, who's sober, who's... What about uh, Slash the Snake Pit? How come you never... <laughs> That wasn't the best band. <laughs> out how or you, name.
1: How, how come you never give them a lot of love? It
3: sounds like a comic book.
1: Uh, Jason. Jason, you're on the Run of Fest show.
3: What's up, buddies? Yeah. Best supergroup, The Highwaymen. Wow, nice. Will and Elton. Chris Christopherson,
1: Whalen, and Johnny Cash. Yeah. Yes,
3: sir. That was,
1: uh, I don't know if I could ever even think of another country supergroup. No. I was a highwayman. Uh, here is. Uh, Here's Brian. Brian, you're on the Run Fest Show.
3: Hey, afternoon, Uh I think the best super group right now is uh, Oysterhead. It's Trey Anastasio from Fish, Les Claypool from Primus, and uh, Stuart Copeland from The Police.
1: How come you know nothing about these guys, Dave? Two of your favorites.
3: Who, Astasio?
1: Yeah, but you never you never have a day in your life you don't bring up Les Claypool's name.
4: I do. Les Claypool's the best, but he, he needs to find... Uh... A guy who is not so quirky. He needs like a straight man. Because Les Claypool is fucking bonkers. To partner up with Trey Anastasio is ridiculous. Too much of a circus. Uh, Danny. Danny, you're on the Ron and Fez show.
3: What's up, boys? Yeah. If uh, Fezzi loses the bet, he should get uh, with the Conan uh, bit. He should uh, get a tattoo. I love Conan.
1: Uh, I get a little tired of our bets. Look who it is. We're talking about supergroups. Who comes in, in his own supergroup? Mr. Hard Rock, Johnny. Johnny, how are you, my Hello, friend? boys. Johnny. Johnny, how about those Giants? You think you're going to go away Giants? Could be this year. Could right, be good giants. Year the Giants. I like the
6: Giants. I really like the way my Yankees are looking right now, too. Yankees and Giants. I really like the way they're playing. Yeah, last Knicks night was good. and Rangers and Giants. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do for you, Johnny? Well, I just First off, Dave, you know... Joe Satriani is one of the more prolific guitarists ever out there. It's the first time he's ever been in a band. He's always been a solo guy. And and this band, you know, Chad Smith, uh, again...
1: Before, before we get into Satriani's thing, I'm just never going to forgive him for the Somewhere Over the Rainbow gimmick. <laughs> I can't <laughs> fucking put up... I can't put up with somebody playing Somewhere Over the Rainbow on a fucking guitar.
6: <laughs> he's really, really good, though. I mean, I, I guess you'd have to put them into the supergroup category. and And, you know... I was going to say the other guy stole my thunder with, you know, Velvet Revolver. I mean, that's no. Dave's idols. And now, you know, I don't know if you've been following this, Dave, but Slash is, is actually making an album right now, and he's got a guy that you danced with recently in the studio playing with them.
4: Yeah, I know. He's, he always plays with Duff.
6: Well, they're, no, no. Oh, you didn't Steven. dance with Duff? I dance with Steven Adler. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm playing I know. with Adler, and they have everybody but Axel. So, they're going to be a super group that's like Guns N' Roses without Axel next. It sort of smacks, though, like
4: when Sinatra did that duets album, you know, and he just got celebrities to do a track. It kind of felt a little novelty to me. I think that's what Slash is doing well, now.
1: Well, they call it Shuns and Poses. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey,
1: uh, who's all going to be singing with him? They don't know yet. What the fuck He's... is Axel waiting for? <laughs> I, that's what you know, are that's... together. He holds a grudge!
6: I don't understand how you can hold a grudge this long. It just makes absolutely no what sense. What did everybody do wrong? They he
4: is one hundred percent control and when he forced guys out of the band he still feels like he should control them and they shouldn't talk smack about him. Naturally guys get basically fired by Axel, they talk some shit, and so Axel's like, I'll never talk to them, I'll
6: be in the same room again for the rest of my life. I mean and if, if you could think about it. I asked oh, a baby. question the other day, If there's one group that could reunite, would be the biggest band reuniting ever, I would have to say it would be Guns N' Roses. Could you think of anyone else out there right now? Well, right now,
1: they're still... They're at that point where they can still... Their fans can still drive on their own. Whereas some of the other bands, it's like a little too far gone. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, if they don't do it now, within the next couple of years, it'll be so anticlimactic that nobody will
6: care. They have to. It's... it's Got to happen at some point. I mean, this this, Axel's got to just kind of let go of it a little bit and just kind of say, you know, do what's right for the fans.
1: I hate to say it, but he seems
6: like he was a little bit retarded.
4: (laughs) He's not retarded. He's not retarded. He's He's just
6: Axel. I think he may have drowned when he was a child. Yeah, he might have. You know what happens to people.
5: And he wouldn't be out of thing on Britain's Got Talent. (laughs) They they
1: did the same exact thing uh, with the Britain Got Talent lady. Uh,. Saying that she, she had drowned and she was a retard, too, like Dave.
6: <laughs> they said that, huh? Yeah. And then she had a poor poor woman, had a nervous breakdown. But
1: well, you don't even hear that term anymore. It's such a 1950s thing to say. <laughs> You're supposed to say she's suffering from exhaustion. No, the nervous breakdown she had. Because <laughs> she's kind of old
5: school, you know? She yeah, like she,
1: she, yeah, she takes yeah. it back. Yeah. She <laughs> takes it back to where it started.
5: She's <laughs> old enough to have gotten the vapors.
1: She had a conniption. <laughs> she actually had a conniption, this poor woman. And now, Fuzzy, after all your crying yesterday, uh-huh. she says she's going to go on a tour with them and they're going to handle her career and she's very excited.
5: Uh, they need to stop her. They need to step in and stop her.
1: All right, Johnny. All right, boys. Take care of yourself, Johnny. Giants. I like Giants, Yankees, Rangers, and Knicks, and the Giants. You uh, might be. You know what? We might get to the point where the the world needs to take one year off of sport. Just one year away from sports, so we stop talking about it all the time. Uh, Dwayne in Florida, you're on the Round of face Show.
3: Hey, boys. How can you guys forget about the damn Yankees?
1: I'm trying to fucking forget about them, and I can't. <laughs> I'm fucking busting my ass to forget about that mullet Ben. Uh, Donald in Texas...
3: Hey, buddy, how you doing? Big time, long time? Hmm. Well, I talk about the uh, Ultimate Tex-Mex Supergroup, uh, the Texas Tornadoes. Doug Sham from uh, uh, Sir Douglas Quintet, the late, great Freddy Fender, and uh, Flaco Jimenez. All
1: right, 866, Ronzio fez 866 ronzio 866-Ranzio-Fez. Bring him up a little bit. Adios, Mexico. Can't beat those lyrics.
5: I think Kerry Von Erich was part of the Texas Tornadoes, too. I was waiting for
1: that joke. Came a lot later than I thought it was coming, but it was there. Uh, Trashmaster, you're on Runa Fez.
3: Hey, what's up, boys? How about the Rat Pack?
1: Um, I wouldn't consider that a super group because they were just guys that toured together. They were, to me, the original comedians of comedy. Now oh, listen to this. Bella. Que bella. This sounds like... This was Johnny's school bus when he was coming back to <laughs> <in> Jersey. <laughs> this fucking bus driver would be singing them. All the kids are going back and
2: forth. And
1: Johnny's in the back. He giants. E giants, Yankees, Dixie Rangers, giants. Know who I like, Giants Know who else I like, Yankees I like the Yankees The Giants and My school bus driver Singing his song to me It's the Giants Here is uh, Steve Steve, you're on Run Fez
3: Hey Ronnie, how do you forget about the classics? Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young
1: Here's the interesting thing about that super group they're one super group, and then they're another supergroup when they had uh, Young. So it's almost right. like Crosby, yes. Stills, and Nash was the biggest super group in the world at the time. And then they added another person. They became an even bigger super group. Then they went back to the first supergroup, into the second supergroup. That fucking Neil Young's got money to make everywhere he turns. He's like this, well, I'm going to put this band down for a little while and go back to this band. Uh, here's, uh, Doug. Doug, you're on Run Fez. Hey, uh, anyone say blind faith? That was me, my friend. Oh. Try to learn a little bit.
3: Ah, sorry. Steve Winwood, Eric Clapton. Can't beat him.
1: Yeah, you're not gonna have to sit around and explain that band to us. wasted and I can't find my way home. Giants. No, Johnny likes Giants. And Yankees. This might this might be the greatest white voice of all time. Now, I think this summer Stevie's just out on tour with Clapton. We gotta to try to get Stevie Winwood in here. You know, what I said to him, hey, "Giants, you like the Giants?" <laughs> All right, it's the Ron show. Um, you know, who I ran into, uh, yesterday was Sylvia Miles, who was on, uh, a Ron Bennington interviews. Where? Uh, believe it or not, down in Fez's neck of the wood, Chelsea. I was down at Chelsea. I was going for a big Yelp, uh, uh, get together. Free eats, free drinks, all inside the Chelsea Museum. So I see Sylvia Miles, and she says to me, Ah! And then she says, uh, "Meeting with Oliver Stone next week, Wall Street 2 And I go, "You're whispering to somebody who fucking lives in front of a microphone." But here's is like you know, just a regular little old Jewish lady walking in the street, and uh, and then she has the line of, "I'm going to be meeting with Oliver Stone." Mm-hmm. I don't know about this uh, Wall Street Two, Heather's Two. It seems like they're making these movies not because they have some kind of idea. It's like, hey, all of us have run out of options.
0: They just don't have any fucking ideas anymore. It's like, hey, the 80s are kind of back. Let's yeah, the just... 80s are back. Let's do Pretty and Pink, too. Breakfast Club, too. Fuck it. Breakfast Club
1: could work if they were all, like, all their kids were in detention. At the same time. Now, here's my idea for Breakfast Club 2. All their kids are in in detention, but, like, the tough guy has a nerd for a kid. The wacky girl has a prep for a kid. The sports guy still has a sports guy for a kid because he likes giants. But it is stupid. uh, The the world does not need a fucking Wall Street 2. The movie had a beginning, middle, and end. But it's just because Michael Douglas isn't getting any more starring roles, and Oliver Stone isn't doing any more big movies. And Shia Booth's going to be the new... Uh, Are you kidding me?
5: Scene. Yeah, that's, that's the rumor, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. yeah, he's in, I think Clive Owen is also in it.
1: I worry that if Shia Booth is in it, and I'm not calling him that, by the way, it's LaBeouf with me. I'm worried they're going to put a giant Transformer in it. Like, every truck I'm going to be looking at to see if it doesn't transform into something.
5: It would be weird watching a Shia LaBeouf movie without him being chased by something. Whether it's a giant robot or something, you know, with Indiana Jones. Commies. Something
1: with Indiana Jones. Josh, you're on the Ron Fez shoe.
5: Hey, uh,
3: thanks for taking the call. uh, Dude, dude, you said enough.
1: Anytime anyone says any of the AM radio stuff, I'm just going to fucking hang up. I can't stand that stuff. Thanks for taking my call. What else am I going to fucking do? It's a talk show and I give out numbers. Stop acting like you called Hannity. So I like call people great Americans. What does he say? You're a great American or you're a fine American?
5: I think it's great American.
1: Wasn't that the old uh, radio company? Yeah. From the 80s? Yeah, I can't handle the AM type people. They drive me nuts. I'll tell you the real problem right now is these Mexicans coming over the border. I've never ran into a regular person who's had of trouble with a Mexican. And I turn on their fucking radio, and you'd swear we were just overrun with Mexicans.
0: They're like Nazis. Yeah.
1: And then I talk to a regular person. You hate Mexicans? Nope. No problem at all with them. They deliver my food. Tiny little things.
0: They're great barbacks. I
1: don't know what happens there, whether they're fucking uh, raising those kids in a short fucking closet, but they are the tiniest people. They're the tiniest non-midgets on the fucking planet.
5: It's almost like that hobbit race of people where they found the fossils a while back.
4: You think they're smaller than Asians? I think they are. I'd love to see an Asian-Mexican baby. That would be a
5: small, freaky thing. What are we waiting for? Like a sea monkey.
1: Let's get Jackie Chan to to bang fucking... um, Selma? uh, Yeah, Selma Hyatt. I just couldn't think of her name. Like a baby. For some reason, I was thinking of in the back of my head. Her first name must be Hyatt.
4: That'd be the most beautiful (laughs) kung fu fighter ever.
1: Or... Or... Just uh, a really uh, st- ugly uh, Mexican-Asian. We don't know what you're going to get.
5: It will at least be a baby that does its own stunts.
1: Uh, Keith in uh, Philly has a moral conundrum.
5: Oh, no. It's a moral
6: conundrum.
3: Conundrum.
1: Keith, how you doing, buddy?
3: Good. How's it going? What can we do Listen, for you today? My My younger brother, he has a 19-year-old girlfriend. She's stripping... He invited me to go check her out. It's a full nude place, B.Y.O. And uh he's cool with it. She's cool with it. My folks got wind of it. Now I'm a grown man, but my mother thinks that I'm the sick bastard for, you know, take a part in this. I just wanted to see what your take was on this.
1: Well, first of all, your mother knows that your brother fucking dates a stripper, right?
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. No and, problem.
1: And that's acceptable, right?
3: Yeah, that's acceptable. All
1: right, so we're saying that is a fair trade. That is an okay way to make a living. So yeah. why would you have any problem going there?
3: Oh, I don't have any problem. I'm trying to explain to her that she has this old-school type of ethic where she puts it as, well, what if... Uh, Your father's brother, my uncle, when I was younger and I was stripping, came to see me. And she's trying to, like, you know, compare it that way. And I'm like, well, that's a whole different time. She's almost 60 years old.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, and she's doing crystal meth. So, really, this (laughs) wacky family of yours, you tell Ma Barker, look, times are changing. I want to go out and see my uh, little brother's cunny, And I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, Hicks, would you go
0: check out the girl stripping? Yeah, why not? Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, Dave, sure. She's a hot little ass. A phone
5: call. Oh, sure. okay. How about you, Fez Watley? No, I would not go. No, I would think that this... It's your... Well, she don't, have a, she don't have a dick, so I know right. you won't go. What but... if
1: it was her, you know, what if it was his sister's boyfriend and she was dancing at a place called Cock and Balls? Are you telling me you <laughs> wouldn't swing by there and take a nice look?
5: No, I would not go. I think uh, once the girlfriend comes into the family like that, it's almost, it's very close to being a sister-in-law. And I think that, you know, you're look, you're basically looking at a sister.
1: A sister-in-law is not a sister.
5: No, I understand that, but it's still part of the family, and I th- and I think you know but that.
1: She, but look, here is the deal: you haven't fucking bounced into the fucking bathroom after her. You went to visit her at her place of work. If she worked at Hooters, would you go?
5: Yeah, I would go to Hooters. Yeah, I
1: think it's more embarrassing to work at fucking Hooters than it is to be a stripper. I think at least with a stripper, you keep some amount of dignity, and you get rid of those little dumb nineteen fucking eighties roller shorts. And uh, bad nylons.
5: I think it would be too uncomfortable watching her give other guys lap dances, knowing that yeah, you're just seeing her naked. I think it's, it would be too uncomfortable. I wouldn't you're, do it.
1: You're already in a family that's very big into crystal meth and stripping. Why would you have a fucking problem? This is already their thing.
5: Uh, well, I didn't know they were into the crystal meth.
1: And, and here's the deal. He was invited by her and his brother. So now what do you say? No, what you do is disgusting. I don't want to go over there and see your Bear Connie flapping around. What you do is uh, filth. You've got to accept that uh, invitation.
5: Oh, I don't think so. Or else
1: you make them look like they're whores.
5: No, I think that you just... You, you politely decline, say, no, I, don't, you know, I got plans this weekend. You don't have to say what you're thinking about it if, if that's what you are thinking. But, but they, it
1: doesn't matter this weekend. She's dancing seven nights a week. She like, oh, you know what I would do? I'd stop and make sure I had plenty of ones because I ain't throwing her any fucking fives. Uh, either that, I'd say, well, you know what? I can't make it all the way down there. Why don't you just dance for me here in the living room? Why don't you fucking take your clothes off And fucking stand over me here on the fucking couch.
4: That's what a gentleman does.
1: And then, uh...
5: And it's probably not going to help things that he's ogling, you know, what could be his, uh, you know, brother's girlfriend.
1: Coming up, Fezzy, uh, we'll be talking to the guys, uh, who put together Woodstock. Uh, that's Michael Lang and Joel uh, Rosamond, and uh, and of course some of the guys that directed and produced uh, Woodstock um, Michael Wally and Dale Bell uh, back in just a couple moments talking Woodstock. It's the Ron and show.
3: Okay, fine. Um, I am not your assistant anymore I will just be your friend. I
6: wish it was that easy. If we were to hang out again I would just constantly be tempted to get you to do shit for me and
3: I have to fight that real hard. I hope we get in a car wreck right now. I do. I hope we get in a fucking car wreck. A motherfucking car wreck. And we both die. And then we can live in heaven.
2: Kind of it's
1: a round of Fez show. Coming up, uh, we'll be talking uh, to the guys who uh, put together the Woodstock Festival. And uh, the movie Woodstock,
5: Uh, there's a re-release of the DVD, Fizz. It's Woodstock, three days of peace and music, the director's cut. That's the 40th anniversary Ultimate Collector's Edition. And that's going to be out uh, Tuesday, June 9th on DVD and Blu-ray. And that comes from Warner Home Video.
1: Tuesday uh, it comes out. If you go back, it's 40 years this summer. That's kind of insane when you think about it, but that's still the real granddaddy of all rock concerts. Like, there's never been another show that anybody could ever say, well, this was better than Woodstock. Only because you got to get there first. Can you think of anything that even comes close, uh, Hicks?
0: There's there's always the Bonnaroo's and the Coachellas, but they have no heat whatsoever of what that first Woodstock was. Yeah, because here we
1: are. Uh, is, uh, when you even go back... And do people even still talk about the first Lollapaloozas? I guess they do, but there's no kind of cultural split where here's the way the world was before, here the way the world was uh, after. Give me even one okay. concert that you could say uh, could compare. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ,
0: 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I got... um. There was a fish, fe- the Millennium Fish Festival, the Big Cypress down in Florida, where they played for, like, I don't know, 16 hours straight. That was a pretty huge festival.
1: All right. Did it make the front page of the New York Times? And You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the fucking difference there. It might have been a really big show, uh, but it didn't fucking catch the world by surprise. If anything, I would compare to it. It was like those We Are The World fucking concerts that they were doing in the 80s. Live Aid. Live That's Aid. What I was going to say, yeah. Live Aid was uh, really, uh, really big because Phil Collins got in a jet. He played in England. He got in a jet and then did a fucking set in Philly. Uh, but if you really think about it, those were like, you know, big TV shows. But was it a big concert? Was it over the top? changing uh, as a concert.
4: Well, the talent wasn't nearly as good as Woodstock. I mean... There was some
1: great talent. They put together fucking Led Zeppelin again. Yeah. The but, Stones showed up for that. But these were, I mean... So well, many, not all the Stones. Mick and Keith. <laughs> the Glamour Twins.
4: But at Woodstock, so many brilliant artists in their prime. So it's like, you know, maybe Woodstock too. You know, because at least the bands were in their prime. Yeah, but nobody sat around and talked about it. No. Here's
1: uh, Tom. Tom, you're on Running Fez.
3: Hey, buddies, uh,
1: how about The Last Waltz? Last Waltz great show, but is it like that cultural touchstone? You That's
7: know
1: i No, first of all, there was only like 3,000 people at that Last Waltz show. There was a half a million at fucking Woodstock. But again, I think that the real deal about Woodstock is nobody saw it coming. You know, at a certain point, in the 60s, they're like, yeah, there's a couple of hippies and these hippies, you know. But when that fucking country had to look out and see a half a million of these people show up, for the first time, they were forced to say, okay, uh, rock is fucking um important. And the youth culture, the youth vote is important. Up to that point, it was pretty well... You know, dismissed as they were just kids, and with Here's,
5: Woodstock too, the big story was how much they were gouging people for water
1: Here's Mark, mark you're on the run a fest show,
5: Lollapalooza
3: started a whole revolution of alternative emo bands today, and it's still around you know
1: yeah i i'm gonna I would put Lollapalooza up there, believe it or not, uh, particularly the first two that first you know, the, the first two as well points. uh but Nobody was overly shocked by that. You know what I mean? If anything, people would just say, wow, the music was better than it was uh, a couple of years ago. But I really don't know that if, as a, uh, a show, you could compare it. And I cannot imagine people are going to be really talking about the 40th fucking... Look, let's face it. You go up there now. There's a museum in Bethel. A fucking museum that you pay to go into. And it was... uh, I just don't think there's another concert that you can compare that to. I don't think people are going to want to go back and say... Wait a minute, where exactly was the stage for Lollapalooza? Let's try to put this whole thing together. Uh, here's uh, Todd. Todd, you're on the Runa Fez show.
3: How you doing, boys? Yeah. Uh, California Jam back in the uh, 80s, or it was the late 70s, early 80s.
1: Yeah, gigantic shows.
3: Yeah, and then three other, days.
1: Yeah. And then also remember in California, they had the Us Festival that Steve Wozniak
3: put to Yeah, Run exactly. The- yeah, I tried to repeat California jam doing that. Yeah.
1: Uh, gigantic shows, but no real uh, cultural significance to that. Here's uh, Chris. Chris, you're hey, on the right. Running Fest show. Yeah.
3: Hey, uh, I don't really say I can count of This It's more of a traveling festival where it's like Bonnaroo. you know, it's like a central location every year, same town. Everybody takes the town over same
1: thing as with Woodstock, you know? Yeah, Bonnaroo is definitely pretty interesting when it comes to the, but the interesting thing too, though, is it's like not in the cultural lexicon. You know what I mean? Like, people don't sit around uh, that didn't go to the shows talking about them. You know, Bonnaroo is not exactly going to be something that's known by people who aren't part of that culture. Where Woodstock and it was not on TV The movie didn't even come out to a year later Everybody knew what the name Woodstock meant And quite frankly It scared the shit out of a lot of people It really did Change uh, The way a lot of people uh, Behaved uh, Brian you're on the run of first show
3: Hey, guys. Uh, As far as musical lineup goes, I would say the Monterey Pop Festival, but it really didn't have the heat that uh, Woodstock did.
1: Well, the interesting thing about the Monterey Pop Festival is it probably was the first real rock festival. I mean, um, it was before Woodstock. Great fucking bands in it, though.
3: Yeah, it, it didn't change the nation, though, like Woodstock did. You know what I mean? As far as having the heat and everything. Well,
1: it didn't draw nearly the, the amount of people. Although I'm not sure you would have had a Woodstock without the Monterey uh, f- Pop Festival. Uh, here is um, here's Brian. Brian, your Fez.
3: Hey, the, another uh, another of the cluster of bands that ended up going to Woodstock were the uh, free shows out at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Yeah. The the dead and, and, you know, uh, uh, the Jefferson Airplane and that whole crowd.
1: Yeah. You know what's kind of interesting, too, is I wonder if Woodstock would have been as big culturally if it was a West Coast thing. Because I think people were kind of comfortable having fucking, you know, long hairs on the West Coast. But when they saw that this was... New York City 100 miles, uh, you know, north of New York City and a matter of fact uh, the station that we used to uh, work for when we were in New York City WNEW those call letters were really instrumental in getting the fucking underground word out at the time, you know, that was like when FM radio still was uh, not a normal, common thing so it started to show all this muscle in uh, in places where you didn't expect, because you forget it was political in a way. Of here was a half a million people who, even though the whole thing wasn't against the war, this is a half a million people that they knew were not going to be voting for Nixon. You know, <laughs> that scares the shit out of people. They knew they had a half a million people who were like, nah, Vietnam, not the best thing for us. Went up to that point, everybody was more or less uh, following along with that whatever the uh, uh, country had to say. All right, Michael Lang is here, uh, Joel uh, Rosaman, uh These are the two guys who, two of the four guys who put Woodstock uh, together. And then we have the director of the movie, uh, Michael Wadley, and Dale Bell, the producer, uh, they're all coming in now. uh, Woodstock. It is uh, Woodstock, 40 years after. Michael Lang is in the studio with us, Joe Roseman, and of course the director of Woodstock, the movie, uh, Michael Wadley. Nice to see you guys. Uh, nice to be here. 40 year, uh, By the way, a little tired of that song after all these years? Like I never, again. <laughs> I never get tired of it. Before. Again with the Woodstock song. Uh, uh, you, you've, you've got another uh, cut of the movie out, and 40 years after the fact and uh, we were talking about this before you showed up but this still is the the concert you know i mean it's like the 27 yankees of concerts it's something that's just never going to be surpassed now uh and at what point did you guys know that what at what point did you guys say this is a lot bigger than this show that we thought it was going to be i
8: think Probably Thursday before the show started,
1: yeah. As you're leading up to it? Yeah, as we had
8: probably close to 100,000 people in the field. Yeah.
1: Uh, Michael, you and Artie kind of, you you joined up with these guys to put this idea together? Yeah. Uh, And it kind of goes around, but who, honestly, do you think came up with the original idea? Is this what we want to do? I
8: mean, this has been sort of a... A stickler? Well, sort of a bone of contention. <laughs> I, I think we we probably clocked ten thousand people who came up with the idea. Oh uh, yeah. So I think we'll pass on that question.
1: Um, but they don't. We had uh, already done Monterey. Monterey yes. had already happened. That's right. But I think the real difference there is that was like a West Coast thing.
8: Yeah, I did a festival about ten months before John and Joel and Artie and I met together mm-hmm. um, in Miami called Miami Pop. Right. It was in May of 68, which was, I think, about a year after Monterey, something like that.
1: Right. What kind of bands did you have there?
8: Uh, Hendrix Closed. He was the headliner. Mother's Invention, John Lee Hooker, Chuck Berry, Blues Image, Crazy World of Arthur Brown. It was a pretty interesting show.
1: And you guys were all in your early 20s then. We were. And guys that were that young could put together shows.
8: Well, yeah. I mean, who else would do it? It
1: just, yeah. It just, I mean, today... You can't even imagine of of you know of anybody without a lot of experience being able to pull off something
8: like this. Sorry. Well, I mean, it's an industry now. Then it yeah. was just a business, and it was a business that was invented by Bill Graham, basically. Right. Um, and it was open for anybody. Right.
1: Bill Graham uh, came out, out to the show that night. But did you guys ever think at, at any point, "Hey, we really do need uh, Graham involved in this," or?
8: No, he he came from a whole different school. Yeah, Yeah. just the opposite. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
7: Yeah, Uh, I think it's great that um, they had a sense of naivete, I think, that uh, was a positive quality. And I've always liked... um, the idea that it was them and only them, and that they had a feel for the younger generation. Even though Graham wasn't much older, uh, he, was
8: he was a about, whole different uh, school. He was about 10 years older, yeah. and had Graham been involved, we might have had a ditch with burning oil. Yeah, so, I, right, I, say, I remember
1: that. <laughs> As he says <laughs> in yeah, Like to keep the ants out. Right. Right.
9: Michael's not making that up. We actually met with Graham before the festival. Uh-huh. He, he was quite concerned about our lack of security, right. and how important that was, and and... Michael didn't make that suggestion. Up, that came from right. Bill.
7: Yeah. Well, and Bill's in the film saying, "Right, uh, Bear bonnet, yeah, that's right. let's uh, yeah. burn them out."
1: Um, <laughs> Michael, how did you become involved as a director? You uh...
7: well, sort of by default, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first thing I'd like to say is that uh, I think what made Woodstock so remarkable was, in the end, their selection of a site. Uh, to have a festival on a farm like that gives such an ambience that you see in the movie mm-hmm. that uh, you don't see festivals like that often. You see them on motor speedways and in enclosures and so on. And uh, I think that went a long way towards setting up the atmosphere and the vibe, so to speak, that Permeated the festival and then the movie and made it uh, world famous
8: and lasting and so on. Yeah, I think that's really true. You know, I'd spent, I was living in Woodstock at the time, and, mm-hmm. and the summer before Woodstock, um, there were outdoor concerts called Sound Outs. And they were on a farm out in sort of nature, and people would come and camp, and it would be a very sort of low key, relaxed atmosphere. And it just seemed to me that was the perfect way to listen to music.
1: Yeah. So that, and and it almost didn't, I mean, the fact that you did this at Bethel, which is so far from the actual Woodstock, but that was kind of a, a bit of luck that you ended up on Yazer's farm, right? It was
9: more like a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> we had a site before that, and we, in fact, built Woodstock twice. The first site we had was uh, in Wallkill, New York. Mm-hmm. And We took a long time and a great deal of care to build Woodstock there before we got evicted, Mm -hmm. about a month before the actual Woodstock took place. We had to rebuild Woodstock, triple over time.
1: Right. And for you guys, this must have felt like a nightmare. It must have felt like uh, we might not be able to pull this off. or
8: You know, had we had longer to live that nightmare, that probably would be true, but Mm -hmm. when we lost the site, we kind of knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. It was like the other shoe falling. Um, And we had people out looking. Right. And the miracle was that a day later we found Max and, and Bethel.
1: And, you know, the interesting thing is, like, you didn't have uh, Ticketron for people to get tickets. You didn't have a massive thing. This was all pretty much under the radar, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I
8: mean, we had Joel and John and yeah. a, a staff that they put together to sell tickets. And, um, and you
1: were selling, selling tickets out of record stores. And
8: yeah, a lot of mom and pop operations. Right. And also, also through through
9: the mail mail order.
1: Uh, which is would be impossible to no one would even understand that concept. That's, that's well, in
9: addition to uh, how inefficient that was compared to today, yeah. it also gave us no idea of how many people were buying tickets. Okay, <laughs> and so, so and there was no internet, and there were no cell phones, no text messaging. Nobody was talking to anybody else in a way that could be counted. Right, and so it came as a complete shock, as as Michael said, the week of the festival. That we were that we had motivated millions of people to try and get there
1: yeah, I think that 's one of the things that young people today couldn 't understand is the thought of being out of touch. You guys running the show didn 't exactly have cell phones, and here 's half a million kids whose parents couldn 't reach them for three or four days yeah they, they, they would have brought the army in today. there had been so many complaints from from uh, from parents. Well, by the way, you know, radio,
7: I think you guys would agree, played a very important part yes. with Wolfman Jack and mm-hmm. other jocks who picked up on the vibe and yep. really did a yep. great job yeah, I was bringing, at like, creating the mythology yeah, ahead that, of time. Like even WNEW was, w was
1: very young then, I guess, yeah.
8: and really, really right. underground. And, and, and FM radio was also fairly young. And yeah. <coughs> and Tom Donahue on the West Coast and Artie Cornfield who had been in the record business and yeah. was, a promoting, was promoting his own acts had really good ties to radio, and that helped us a lot.
1: Uh, and Artie and you were the ones that uh, hooked up together. Yeah, we hooked at, up
8: together first, and then we met John and Joel.
1: And that was kind of uh, like a four-way odd couple, where John and Joel were coming from like a, almost a different class system than you guys. You guys were more hippies, and these guys were... I think
8: Artie was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. He had a, he had <laughs> a leg in both. Uh,
1: and, and, uh,
8: but, it, you know, it turned out to be the right combination.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Artie was definitely... Um, had like a street smart thing, I think that you had to have in mm-hmm. the record company because people forget that was a pretty rough business was. in those days yeah. uh, to be able to you know to push a record to collect the money for the record. It was not a place for for timid guys. Uh, I think the amazing thing here too is that this was all caught on film. Um, and I so think, well, yeah, and so well. Um, did you guys realize that at the time that? the film was going to be so important to the long run of this
8: we we knew early that it was something we wanted to do i filmed miami Mm -hmm. and we did that and i thought it was really important to document this we of course had no idea it would turn into what it did and thankfully we had michael and his team there to cover it and and it was a massive job it was just insane the the amount of of film and cameras and people they had to marshal at the last minute
1: and Michael, you uh, this is the same way we brought out of this that you're not constantly in connection with each other. The the promoters, the same had to be with you and all the cameramen that everybody was out over this massive site trying to all shoot this at the same time. It had to be, just felt like you were running an army out there.
7: Well, I've been working in Darfur recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a different kind of a war zone, but it was really a war zone uh, when the big storm came that you see in the film way. I know with Mike and with my crew, Jesus, uh, electricity was everywhere. Power voltages were zapping and killing uh, electronic equipment and our cameras. Our motors were frying. Uh, you really felt that this was an assault that was <laughs> hitting you. And then, of course, if those uh, super troopers had fallen on the audience, we would have had deaths. But uh, God was with us, whoever yeah. she was <laughs> and whatever she was doing. Um, I'd like to thank these guys for ultimately selecting us uh, to do the film uh, because we were, at the time, I was a political filmmaker and had uh, created these multiple image experiments with uh, Aretha Franklin and other black artists uh, using split screens and so on. And what I wanted to do was to make the great film about uh, black political movement and black music in America. I had filmed Martin Luther King and Rap Brown and other people. And then these guys, I heard about uh, this Woodstock Festival. I had one connection with Woodstock then. Uh, Virtually the first film that I made after leaving Columbia Medical School was on the American Communist Party, Gus Hall, who used to run for office every year. Uh, And I found out at that time, long before you guys walked into our office, that the American Communist Party had been founded in Woodstock, New York. (laughs) And that in the early part of the century, 1900s, you know, this was... Uh, A place where European radicals, some of whom were wanted for murder, you know, hid out (laughs) Mm. and plotted strategies uh, for the overthrow of uh, democracy as we know it. And then along came Woody Guthrie and uh, Mike Lang and Joel Rosenman and so on (laughs) and uh, said, wow, let's have this uh, dove sitting on this guitar and uh, (laughs) we're going to do three days of peace and music. And
1: well, like. it was kind of an interesting thing because it wasn't a political event, but just by the fact that this happened, it became somewhat of it was a political a, it event. It was
8: a bigger political statement than we could have made had we tried. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. that's
1: right. Uh, because you would have had to looked out and seen a half a million kids that were more or less anti-war and more or less, uh, you know, pro uh, bringing back the marijuana laws without even saying it it had to freak a lot of people
9: out there Washington. was a similar point to the, the one earlier uh, the surprise mm-hmm. of that number of people with similar sensibilities about the war and about, about uh, equal rights and so forth right. uh, people knew that they felt that way themselves individually but in those days it wasn't really easy to find out that there were large numbers of people who felt the way you did sure. and then all of a sudden in one instant You could look and see practically the whole world, it seemed, feeling the way you felt. Well,
1: you know, the interesting thing, too, on the equal rights and, you know, uh, blacks and whites together is, and again, it's not a political moment, but when you see Sly Stone on stage there, and here's a half a million, you know, mainly white kids.
8: And probably one of the first integrated bands that ever really made it. Yeah.
1: Without it being even had to be said, like, "Oh, ladies and gentlemen, here's a Negro band with a what?" You know, it's not said. It's just normal mm-hmm. at that point. Every, it, it's just the way. And at that point, it seems like the people had to look up who weren't who weren't ready for that kind of change, and said, "The debate is over. Yeah. The change has already taken place." Well,
7: I think now, uh, forty years later, circling back to the farm, we're in deep ecological crisis, and I think somehow intuitively. You guys knew, well, the farm is the right place to head toward, you know, that nature has a a purity and an innocence and something that should be preserved. After all, Silent Spring was, what, 62 and so on. There was a consciousness there that we ought to get away from the sort of modern uh, technological nightmare that we were in and get back to a sense of innocence. After all, the song says we're three billion-year-old carbon and we got to get back to the garden. You know, how perfect. Well... That issue is alive and well or dead and well now. It's continued on. We're in deeper crisis than we ever were. So I think, uh, as Mike said, without being deliberate about it or overtly deliberate about it, a lot of themes came together. And, of course, you guys got uh, many people calling it the Woodstock generation because it seemed to bring together a lot of the currents of the previous nine years uh, and be a a symbolic uh, sort of gathering.
9: As Michael says, those issues are pressing today, maybe even more pressing today than they were in '69.
1: Well, it's a phenomenal thing. You you go out to the site now, and the museum's there. And I I, I took my kids, uh, I think, last summer. But the really interesting thing is to walk outside... And I'm watching different guys pointing out things to their family, and it was like being a Gettysburg, you know what I mean? It had like, this it was like being like, a Gettysburg. You know, this <laughs> battleground thing of, well, they come in from this way, right. and here's where the stages were set up. And people, and this wasn't any part of any tour. This is just people wandering off on their own. And there really does now seem to be something about that ground that people want to go back to. Yeah.
7: Um, well. The, the other thing that I like, and I'm sure they can tell the stories as well, but uh, I was up at Stanford giving a speech recently, and a guy came down the aisle afterwards, and I looked at his name tag, and he's the executive vice president of Intel, obviously working billions of dollars even in today's market, and the guy says, do you remember me? Well, yeah, I'm in your movie, and of course, if everyone who said that to me were in the movie, there'd be a, you know millions of people in the movie. But he said, no, no, no. He says, I'm in the nude bathing sequence. I'm the guy <laughs> sitting on the log, naked, oh, wow. who sang, "This is the way it's going to be." You know, in the future, everybody will be nude bathing. And he says, "Boy, was I wrong!" But then he went on to say, you know, that that festival that you guys put on. Was like a high point of his young life. He always remembered what a good experience it was. You know how many people of a common kind of questioning interest. How interesting all the things were, and of course it was the first and maybe last time that he ever went nude bathing because it, <laughs> it didn't catch on. But he went into chips, and they caught. They caught on.
1: And so much now, we got the DVD re- uh, reissued. The Angley movie is coming out. Uh, and Michael, you've got your book out, The uh, Road to Woodstock.
8: End of the month, yeah. Uh,
1: what is uh, is this just your own personal journey through this?
8: Yes, it's it's my experience going through the the whole sort of process of coming of age and then yeah. getting involved in producing.
1: when you when you look back and you see yourself in that film now too, and and quite frankly, you don't look that much different. So it's a nice uh it's a nice tribute to whatever kind of living you've been doing but uh do you think to yourself this kid is so far over his head (laughs) what is he
8: doing you know i always have trouble watching myself on screen and so i don't think anything i think i blank when i go is that
1: right because your personality is the really the opposite of bill graham i just see the, the the madness that's going on there and you're just like yeah that's yeah. all coming yeah, I'm, together.
8: I'm, the more the weirder it gets, the calmer I get. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, when you guys put the acts together, was there one act that kind of made everybody else fall into line? Or was there somebody that you booked? There were three.
8: Yeah, actually, we didn't have a lot of credibility. I'd done one mm-hmm. big show and a few concerts, and uh, so the thinking was. And, and we discussed this, that we needed to get three major acts quickly, Mm -hmm. pay them quickly, finish the contracts, and that would give us the credibility. And so it was Jefferson Airplane, Creedence Clearwater, and Can't Heat, the three acts we booked. Mm -hmm. And once they came in, we then had credibility in the business, word was getting out about Woodstock, and and as we continued booking, we started getting calls from people rather than having to make the calls. Right.
1: And... uh Joel, for you guys, when you when you were the ones putting up the money, you had no idea, I guess, at that point, who should get paid more. Are we overpaying? Can Heat? What would they be getting paid if they were in Cincinnati that night as opposed to Woodstock? I mean, there wasn't really a lot of history since these bands were fairly new, right? They weren't that new. At, I, yeah.
8: think, I think. That, let me just take this for a second. They weren't yeah. that new. I mean, there they, there were established prices people were getting at concerts. Yeah. Um, but there you guys was,
1: came in over top of that most of the time. For right? the fir-
8: only for the first three acts, uh huh. Um, we established a a nations basically, right. which was the only way to to book so many acts actually, and it was fifteen thousand dollars was the top we would pay anybody, mm. and that was how we proceeded to book. Right,
1: uh, but Joel, for you guys being the money guys, did it feel like it was spinning out of control Absolutely. from time to time, or?
9: <laughs> uh, I recall a few moments like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had. Uh, we had a sort of a, a loose system of monitoring expenses uh, because of the pace of putting this thing together. It was going at breakneck speed for, mm-hmm. for most of the time. Uh, <clears throat> the beginning, when uh, we were trying to book acts and had no credibility, we really didn't have a concert history that we could wave at promoters, uh, at, at uh, talent agencies and, and, and prove to them that they'd get the second half of, of their payment. Uh, I think that the brilliant solution of paying them twice as much in the beginning, so that they knew they would come out whole no matter what, and possibly come out twice as good as as before, uh, which allowed us to to book uh, the airplane mm-hmm. and a couple of acts following that. Uh, I guess that's now called throwing money at the problem <laughs> to right. solve it. It worked, yeah. and in retrospect, it was um, in, an inexpensive solution, which at the time seemed pretty expensive. That no. wasn't really where the money went, though. We the, the money that went flying out the
8: door was more site-related and, and, sure. and well, political. Well,
9: that's what I mean by an yeah. inexpensive solution. Uh, so much of our expenditures came in other areas, right. and especially rebuilding the festival a second time you just don 't do that sort of thing and expect to break even right uh,
1: and the interesting thing is i don 't know whether it 's because of you know it's easier to film that way but some of the real acts that make it for me are not even the bigger acts but like an Arlo Guthrie just Santana, uh, uh, Santana
8: Crosby, uh, Nash.
1: yeah where you look at some of these I mean for me Arlo walking out there if anyone kind of captured the feeling of um, I get this, right. and I'm going to ride this wave, it was him. He
8: was riding a different wave, actually, at yeah. this particular moment. But, <laughs> but, he, but it was a natural thing for him. Right. The wonderful part about this is once we had established this credibility and we started getting calls from Max, it was no longer a question of price. People wanted to play. I they mean, wanted to play because yeah. they had to be there. Yeah. Bill Graham sent me a tape of Santana before they had an album, and I think we paid them $1,500, and they were one of the huge prizes.
1: And, yeah. and that's the other weird thing, too, is that you had a half a million people who were ready to see a new act. Absolutely. You know, that they weren't going to sit there and go, uh, I need to see these hits and this order, yeah. the way a lot of the modern uh, audiences were. Yeah. They were really open to uh, and trusting of you guys. And then one of the other things I think is cool in that is to see stuff like the pig farm, mm. where people... Hog farm, I'm sorry. Uh, would, <laughs> swine what, flu. Yeah, swine flu now. But people that would um, come out and get involved in just helping. Now, did you guys hire them before
8: the fact? We hired but, them and flew them out on a jet plane. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, and
1: knowing that you're going to um, you're going to need those kind of people around?
8: Well, knowing that we were having hundreds of thousands of kids coming out of the cities who'd never been in the country before and would have no idea how to set up a camp or get through the mm-hmm. weekend... We needed somebody, who, a group of people, actually, who knew how to do that and could transfer that knowledge.
1: And what is it like, like for you guys here 40, 40 years after, and whether it was good times or bad times, you're all still kind of bound together through this, you know? It'll just be here the rest of
9: your lives. We, we go back a long way. We've been through thick and thin, so mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that uh, forges partnerships. Uh, lots of times it feels like uh, a good marriage. Sometimes it feels like... Uh, the two guys that escaped from jail and are shackled together at the ankle, but <laughs> whether you want to be or
1: not,
2: huh?
9: But right, but uh, it's 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 a good working relationship, and of course we have, we have a common view of what happened and what the potential is for Woodstock. It's got a it's got a lot of uh, possibilities, and a lot of them mean we think a lot of good things for the planet. So uh, we're so we're definitely united in that. Everybody's still a
1: believer. Yep, after um, all these yes. years. Well,
7: uh, I've been away for 25 years. I've been living uh, almost solidly in Asia and Africa, so it gives me a different view of what America is doing. Uh, some of you have heard about this ecological footprinting. Well, America leads the world tragically, whereas uh, Europe is using three times the resources, you know, that the planet can offer on average. America is using a whopping seven times So when I come back here, I think uh, these guys are more needed than ever, especially right here in the good old U.S. of A. I want to say something else, by the way, to their credit, because I never see these guys. So uh, one of the other things I think that's so fortunate is no corporate logos. You know, when you look at that movie, I got to tell you, the kids today just, they say, wow, what's missing here? What's missing Boy, you don't even have a backdrop, you know. All you have is a wooden stage, and there are no logos, except, of course, the dove and the guitar. I think that kind of sense of innocence and integrity and uh, atmosphere is just vanished from the rock and roll scene. I mean, you, you you just can't shoot a musician anymore, or I'm looking at TV, you know. Mm-hmm. Logos are everywhere, and I think... Uh, That kind of an age and that kind of a feeling really reaches people of the modern generations, younger generations. And to me, I can't see any reason why Woodstock won't be a legend and the film won't be showing and the music playing a thousand years from now. I I really mean it. I think it has uh, people, reviewers. uh, I was just with Roger Ebert, who repeated what he wrote uh, 40 years ago. And that is that Woodstock may be the greatest documentary ever made. And what he meant is that it's, it's so complete in the sense of the music, all the lyrics from Speak Out, Speak Out Against the Madness, and so on, the way I had the luxury of being able to choose from the music and make it into a kind of cohesiveness, you know, about the generation which which I thought uh, they would like, and they told me they did, um, and make a kind of movie that really looks at a very interesting time where, as we just said, a lot of issues have been brought up that are continuing to be important today, and I think a thousand years from now, they will be. Roger and I were talking about this. He was typing because mm-hmm. he can no longer speak, and he says, you know, remember how we used to talk about Woodstock as the Canterbury Tales, mm-hmm. that you had the toilet cleaner's tale and the police chief's tale, and Joan Baez's tale, you know, and whatever, that it has a kind of classic feel to it that these guys set up. I think, again, the vibe was, as the kid says who sits by the road in one of the great interviews, the beautiful-looking sort of D'Artagnan guy, he says, well, my dad came to America on, you know, the commercial trip, you know, that he wanted materialistic success. He says, now, you know, I want to look and find out who I am, as Joni Mitchell said. Mm -hmm. And he says also, he says... I don't think the music is really important. He says, I don't think that's why people came there. And I think that's really true. I think you guys set up this kind of mystique about what was going to happen, and music was part of it, but it was like uh, Mm. transporter juice, you know? Yeah, Yeah.
1: if you you go back and look at the film, the real stars of the film are the people who showed up. You know, and, it, it's, it's funny. A, I was just, and
7: wavy gravy. I mean, yeah. uh, Hugh mm-hmm. Romney is one of the great characters of all time. I mean, Ken yeah. Kesey often said, that guy, what we have in mind is breakfast and bed for 500000 mm-hmm. How can you come up with a line like mm-hmm. that? I mean, his cheerfulness and innocence and lack of guile was just perfect. So again, what a great decision you made in terms of delivering people like John Law, you know, and yeah. the breath of fire and so on. It was... It was great and
8: classical in the
7: sense of uh, Pilgrim's Progress.
8: I just read an interview that the band did in 1994. Uh, and Rick Danko was saying that, they asked, you know, how was it for you? And he said, well, we were, we were kind of a little disappointed and so were some of the other bands because we're used to being the center of attention. Right. And then the people were the center of attention. And that's right. really true. Uh,
7: so right. great Nobody rushing the stage, right. you know. Yeah. They were there for a different yeah. agenda.
1: Yeah. So great to have you guys uh come in here. The director's cut
5: is now uh, available. War uh, Woodstock, three days of peace and music. That is the director's cut, 40th anniversary ultimate collector's edition. That's coming out Tuesday, June 9th next week, on DVD and Blu-ray, Blu ray, Blu ray from Warner Home Video.
1: And the road to Woodstock, Michael Lang's uh, book is coming out next month, June twenty ninth. June twenty ninth. Great. So great to meet all you guys. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank
4: you. Tell me, Curly, how do you know Miss Cross? We went to Harvard together.
5: That's great. I wrote a play and directed it, so I'm not playing it either. Can we get a check?
1: Fez show 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. We get emails all the time. And now, Ron and
2: Fez, the show of the
0: future, brings you
2: electronic mail. Mail sent electronically.
1: Hi, everyone. You guys were talking about finding a movie for the movie club. Why not just find something that's both on cable and Netflix online? This way, everybody who has Netflix can watch it on their PC, Xbox. Just an idea. Yeah, I don't think uh, we can pull off the movie club. We don't know what we're doing. Um, here's one that I do like. Chris Stanley's catchphrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Just say yes. We need a, a song of just all his yes. You do a lot of yeah, 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 yes. Do I really? Mm-hmm. I've never noticed that. I don't say yes or yup. No. If we had another uh, producer, he would go back and grab all the times that I ask you something. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of slurring, I guess. Uh, dear Ron and Fez, I have a sore honey. What do you suggest? I say get right back on there. Get Climb right back on the horse.
5: Maybe stay off of it for a few days, though. I don't like the idea of that. No. That sounds fagular.
1: Uh Dear Ron Faz, the laws for skateboarders and bicycles on the roads. They can't use the sidewalk. No, they shouldn't be on the sidewalk or the road. You should be in a little bike park riding around like a bicycle boy. No, I brought this up today. You should be fucking riding on some kind of bike path or a bike lane. You're going to get fucking killed out there. Uh, dear Ron and Fez, love the show. When I heard Fridays talk about Fez's house being stuffed with toys and action figures, um, I remember times in the past hearing about his buccaneer bathroom. I think it's time an uh, uh, XM camera crew visited and documented a tour of his home, Fez Cribs. Let's take a peek at where he spends 94% of his time.
5: Oh, I would have a camera crew through. Just let me know what day so I know when to change that litter box.
1: It says, uh, hi, Ron. I was wondering if there's any company or corporation that you feel like you have a really good relationship with. It seems like companies are doing nothing to build consumer loyalty these days, and it really is a shame. Davy Mack, any company that
4: you feel loyal to? AOL. I am a huge AOL. yeah still. I still think it's the simplest. I still think it's the best. And uh
0: as long as there's AOL, there's Davy Mac as a customer. Uh what about for you, uh, Chris Stanley? Stanley Apple. Apple? Yeah. I mean they made the iPod, they make they make good computers. I mean they I think I believe they still have white people as uh, customer service reps. It's very surprising and Why very be nice. a racist. Not being racist, You're just... gonna said Americans.
1: Americans. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. What about for you, Fez? I
5: think it's NBC, where I still go there for news. Um, I, uh, I check out their new shows. I think it's NBC I stay loyal to. I stayed with Meet the Press, even you though just, they don't have Tim Ruster.
1: I, I hate to drop a truth bomb on you, but you've spent the entire fucking time telling us that Conan is going to fail and Jimmy Fallon is going to fail. This has been your gimmick now for two weeks. You're the anti-NBC late-night guy.
5: Well, I think what's going to happen is Jay Leno's going to end up back in that seat. I think that's sticking with NBC and what they do best. It doesn't
1: make sense. What they did best was make those those decisions. Uh, I will tell you a company that I am a fan of. and was just there last weekend. And that is the uh Wegmans uh stores. Have you ever been there, Hicks? No, I have not, no. I have. It's great. It is unbelievable. I love it. And I went through the entire store, and it was enjoyable. It was like walking through Food Network. Any kind of food in the world. The bakery was just amazing. Picked up some grass-fed beef. Uh... Every
4: part of it. And from what I understand, it's a good place for the people that they work for, there, which I'm a big fan of that. It's fantastic. It's clean. It's it's wonderful. And um, I always bring a water or a, a soda into Wegmans because the free samples is just fantastic. There's so many of them that you don't even need to eat lunch when you go into Wegmans. Yeah, but there is a lot of great places you can eat lunch inside there. <laughs> I know. There's this I, t- feels,
1: I feel sorry for people who uh, don't have uh, a Wegmans? Is Um, is it a supermarket? Yeah, it's a supermarket, but more.
5: It's (laughs) got everything. It's the ultimate.
1: Andrew, uh, it is what I consider the NBC (laughs) of uh, supermarkets. Uh, Andrew, you're on the Rana Fed show. Hey,
3: this is Dano.
1: Okay, I'll call you Dano then.
3: I'm sorry, man. Uh hey,
1: uh, when I get through Chicago, Molly's cupcakes, my brother. And Molly looks hot in that apron, man. Well, here's the deal. We just found out, number one cupcake all time. Uh you really do uh have to uh look at the Ron Bennington cupcake there. Well hold on, I got a little note here from Mike Kaka. Uh, Here's a a problem. Yelp. And I feel bad about this. I went to a Yelp party last night. But today on the Molly's Yelp page, uh, somebody went to Molly's an hour after it uh, was closed. And they said some dweeb went and let them in. And that was my caca. (laughs) So now, uh, and if you do Yelp, try to say something like... The sexy man with the amazing sunglasses uh, really took care of me. When he is really uh, nice to all the people that come in and out of there, not really dweebish. I don't <laughs> get, I don't pick up even for a second no. that he's dweebish. He's a geek. No, not at all. Nerd, perhaps. Um, no. He's dapper. That's what he <laughs> is. He's a well-dressed dapper man who spends extra money on sunglasses. Uh... Is he the type of guy who would get the bottom bunk? Yes, but out of kindness, not because he wouldn't want to be up top. Uh, Rich, you're on the Ron Fes Show.
3: Hey Ronnie, uh, Wegmans is probably one of the best employers in New York State, um, and they're rated very highly by the state. And the only thing I think would be even better than Wegmans is uh, that Stu Leonard's, which is just ridiculous.
1: I don't even. I'm not even familiar with it. Uh, let me go but over here to Elizabeth in Rochester.
3: Hello. I just wanted to call and let you know that my father is in corporate Wegmans. He's actually in in charge of all of the meat. My fellow's retired. Hi.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, tell him I had um, some grass-fed steaks. I put them on the grill the other night, and I was pleased with them. If you
2: ever
3: want me to take care of you, I get... Honestly, I get free meat from my father all the time.
6: Oh, <laughs> 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 Elizabeth.
1: So
3: that's how it is I'm in their family. family. I'm being serious. Uh, so. my, uh, my dad gives me free cuts of poultry, etc. Oh! <laughs> 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 I can't wait with you guys. I'm trying to be serious.
1: Okay, your dad um, gives you free so.
3: meat. Stop it. So anyway, just to try stuff all the time, different like seasonings and different everything, different kinds of things. So if you ever want me to take care of you, Ron, mm. I, will, uh, I will hook you up. Take all right.
1: I would like to do this. And plus, just tell just tell your father that I had to pick one company and I picked his. Okay. okay I'll tell him that grass-fed steak was amazing. Ate it with a spoon. Ate my steak with a spoon. That's grilled it. Um... Uh, you know, I like to take you out to the country sometimes and just show you the stars there. Yeah, yeah, yes. I don't know uh, anything about that nature. Craig, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey. Yeah.
3: I used to work for uh, PNC Foods, and the place is a shithole, so I used to go to Wegmans all the time and used to get in trouble by my bosses for going there.
1: Um, Hagen, you're on the Run of Fez show.
6: Hey, guys. uh I grew up in, uh, Buffalo area. Now I live in Westchester, so I was just curious um, where you guys are hitting the Wegmans up. Well,
1: I was over in Jersey uh, over the weekend, but they are slow. There's none in the city. I don't know if there's any in Westchester. Check out their website, though. All right. Thanks, guys. My Peace. Uh, Travis, you're on the Fest Show.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, I heard yesterday, I think it was like on the Comedy Channel, the, the Martha Stewart channel is actually doing a whole week on cupcakes this week.
1: I have the worst staff in radio. I will just say this, and I'm glad to say it in front of the four of you. Uh, I have Chris Stanley, and that's it mm. right now. Now, Chris also even told me today he's overstressed by a lot of the work that he's doing to cover for you two guys. Chris, mm. I'm giving you the... Today's Beanie Cop goes to... Chris Stanley, the man who does no, no, everything... No, no, no. And covers no, for Fez. No, no. and uh, Dave. There's no, no reason that you guys couldn't told me what was going on in the Martha Stewart fucking channel. There's no reason at all. You know I would have easily won the Martha Stewart cupcake cha- challenge, and now I can't even get in. Did you guys even check to see if I can get in?
5: Um, I checked, and I thought it was over with. Oh, I didn't. I didn't ask it's anyone. It's
1: over Friday.
5: It's over Friday.
1: Oh God. Oh, God don't care. They just don't care. And I'll also say this. The only uh, calls that I got out of all of us that brought up our brand loyalty was just Ronnie Beast, the Wegman things. Not a lot of NBC people out there. Not a lot of A.O. Hell people out there. And what was yours? Some meth dealer up in fucking Queens? When I Jack Meth dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get meth anywhere else. <laughs> I will not get meth anywhere else. So none of you guys even thought to yourselves, how can I make this up to Ronnie B? It was just fuck him, fuck him in the ass.
4: No, it wasn't that way at all.
1: Why don't you look at each other and say, we got him. We got that prick. And high five. I don't want to say that. Go over and high five, Fezzy. All right, but... You gotta... Oh, you got to high five right. me,
5: honey? Ow! Stand- Ow! Oh, God! Cowbell!
1: Right in both their wrists. I hit them both at the same time. And you know why? You're high-fiving
5: against me, you pricks. I have very thin wrists. These things could snap at any moment. We didn't even connect. Better. Scott, you're my Hey,
3: buddy. How you doing today? Yeah. Hey, uh, I wanted to see, is uh, Wegmans as good as Publix is down in Florida?
1: It's way better. I mean, Is it, it really? It's, it's fucking light years. I'm telling <laughs> you, just think of, like, so many gourmet shops in the same place. In the same place. You really don't know. Now, I don't know this Stu Leonard's.
4: So. I do. I am going to, uh, give them a road trip. Yeah. I do. It's, uh, similar to Wegmans, but it's not nearly as clean. And it also relies too much on little Pirates of the Caribbean animatronics. That's their gimmick, is that you'll see like a, a, walk, a talking cow robot be like, come eat meat, eat me. I don't like that. <laughs> come to the meat section. So I think it's a little gimmicky. Eat me,
1: meet me. Right. You're going to beat me. The Wegmans. cow
5: out front should have told you.
4: Wegmans is classier, and I think, I think just better product all around. I've been to both. Well, uh, believe it or not, I'm going to check on my own.
1: All right, uh, I'll, I'll go with you if you want. Uh, here is, uh, Dave, Dave, you're on the run fest show.
3: Hey Ron, uh, I'm a driver for Wegmans and, uh, I'm telling you, we're the top 100 companies in the United States oh, yeah. and everything they're saying is exactly right. In fact, I got to go with my wife there because she goes in one of those superstores. It's a $500 bill every time she goes in there.
1: Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm going to hit it big every time I go in. Uh, when can yeah. you move into the city? Is it going to happen?
3: I think so. We're all over New Jersey and down in Virginia now and everything, so I think it ain't going to be... That's how I got turned
1: on. I lived anything. near the one in Virginia. In Fairfax, I was walking distance to it. I would fucking put my grill on, run across the street, find something literally fresh, run back across, kill it.
5: That place was hugely popular there in Virginia. It was A lot of times you had trouble getting in the parking lot.
1: Um, yes, that's a truth bomb, Fez. You know, I didn't give you your three truth bombs today. I tricked you.
5: Yes, I thought I was going to get... Uh, I had used them all up before I even thought I had.
1: Would you like to, me to give you the three
5: truth bombs, then? I think that would be the right thing to do.
1: That's number one right there. No, see I can't fight back against you. You're the best. You got it. Uh, Big Joe in Yonkers. You're on the Ron and Fez show.
3: Hey, Ron. Um you got a Stu Leonards up here in Yonkers, man. It's great. The meat's great. It's just they make all their own stuff. It's it's just awesome stuff. This is the Stu Leonards? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be honest here. I never even heard of it. But I'm gonna give him a chance. I'm not gonna uh, blow anybody off without checking it myself. Brian, you Fez.
3: Hey, guys. I uh, just want to let you know about Stu Leonard. It's not as great as everyone says it is. Um, first off, you have to walk through kind of like Ikea, where it's like a maze to get to anything. It's a real pain in the neck. It, it, it's, it's not as great as everyone says it is.
1: Well, I hear they have animatronics, though, and that's yeah. kind of exciting to me.
4: You'll get bored of them pretty easily, though. I wax poetic over Wegmans. We, I go there
1: uh, every weekend. By the way, they're opening up a Wegmans in Chester's, PA. I might be making a fucking, you know, may, might be making the old run there. Checking up on Flathead after I eat. But even before, you ain't going to be eating. Right. Uh, by the way, uh, Lily texts me. She said, Chris Stanley says, fuck yes. More than yes, 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 yes. She also said, he's a fucking piece of garbage that does, shouldn't even be producing. Whoa. I wish he didn't win.
0: Fuck yeah. is Lily's problem?
1: I made it up. She never said that. She loves you. Why okay. are you got to jump to conclusions? Uh, By the things. way, go to her Twitter. Right now she's got a brand new uh, picture of herself up with her brand new haircut. And she's rocking Fuck it computer. hard. What's that? The computer is just slow as sh- shit today. Well, that's why I bring in Lappy 5000. I don't fucking trust... The serious computers. Oh, God. I'd like Michael Lang to come back without the fucking director so I could just talk to him about putting together
4: uh, I gotta text her I gotta find out her Twitter.
1: Uh, No, all you gotta do is go to um, like Baby Girls and then there'll be, a, uh, there'll be a what do you call it there? There'll be a link. Okay. This computer erased all the fucking things in it. Just stop panicking. I don't know why you got a fucking staff who panics instead of staying fucking cool. Okay. Where did I tell you to go? Baby girl.
5: You don't even know what you're doing. I am dying to see what Lily's doing with this hair. That's always a big decision for her.
1: Today was fun. It like teacher's giving you the evil eye. Hmm. That's a different baby girl, you idiot. <laughs> Here we go. What's this? Happy typing, girl? You confused the two? <laughs> no. Go to Feast uh, go Size
4: Twitters.
9: Oh, okay.
4: I found Lily's, so... <laughs> <laughs> and by found I mean she just texted it to me.
1: Ron just threw a cowbell at me, but I still three him. Eighty one. What's eighty one for?
4: I over I went over nine. I star I said I three Ron then someone says I nine Ron. I love uh as if that's gonna Ronnie be B. bigger, so I said I twenty seven Ron. Why can't
1: you change your name to feast side? Dave <laughs> loves Ronnie B. <laughs> Would you just fucking please put Lily on instead of Be All About Yourself? I'm <laughs> you, you fucking drive me crazy. Here we are. Today, Junior. You see why fucking Chris Stanley she has gets no crazy, help out of him? She's got a crazy Muslim name. It's like. Huh. I think the, the people in Brazil plane crash are hanging onto a magnetically charged island. That disappears and is capable of time travel. That's oh, too soon for that joke, Lily. It's too soon to make fun of dead plane people. What else we got here? Look at the picture of her. All right. I got my hair did. Oh, that's sweet. What's that right there? Hmm? What
4: are you I mean, pointing at? Well, I mean, you know, forget about that. It's, it's, hair the hair looks fantastic. it's hair and makeup. You think so? That's the way they call it, it in This is fucking
1: movies. Radio. No
4: one can see your point. She's got pimples. She's got a giant zit on, on the chin. Well she's young still. And they 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 say it's supposed you know, you work in film, what do you do? I do hair and makeup. Oh god, I
1: can't fucking stand doing this show anymore. Uh here's Zippy in Canada. Zippy, you're on the Run show.
3: Hey buddies. Yeah. That uh that grain fed beef sounded really good actually at Wegman's. Uh, so did you know if they had any uh, fresh Alaskan deer meat there as well?
5: The deer have not been moved to Alaska yet.
1: Here's Mark. Mark, you're on the Run Renafest Show.
3: Hey there, Ronnie Beef. Yeah. Hey, uh, you talk about good tasting steaks, some of the stuff we raise on our farm up here in Wisconsin, Black Angus. I mean, you cut the steak an inch and a half at the I butcher shop that. there, and uh, you can cut it with a butter knife. I mean, T-bone, porterhouse, ribeye, tenderloin, anything like that is some of the best homegrown beef
1: you're ever going to have. Uh, USA uh, soccer team playing tonight in the World Cup qualifier. USA, USA, USA. Here's Mitch and Best Chester. You're on the run of Fed Show.
3: Uh, it's Rich, but anyway, who's on 200 is beyond reproach. Strength. I don't know how Dave says they're a little low budget. Uh, hold they will beat all hold, cows.
1: All right, hold on, let me go. Is Dumpy, uh, Dumpling's the guy who's been rocking better than String?
4: They're both equal, actually. But uh, uh, Dumplings not here
1: today. You notice I'm having huge amounts of things of them not getting the names right? I hate when fucking people correct me because uh, it just doesn't make any sense. It just slows the show down. By the way, it's USA versus Costa Rica tonight. Uh, Allen in Virginia, you're on manifest.
3: Hey, Ron. Yeah, I tell you what, I love Wegmans because if my wife needs a loaf of bread... I got a grocery store around the corner. Wegmans is about eight miles away. I will drive to Wegmans because where else can you go in, sit down, have six Chincoteague Orskers, a couple of nice Sierra Nevadas for two fifty a shot, and I'm not talking about no little paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of beer.
1: You live in lunch. You live in lunch. All right, Fezzy, I promised you three uh, truth bombs without interrupting you. Go ahead.
5: All right. My first truth bomb is. I think Iran should be allowed to have nuclear power. If they're using it, not for bombs, but just to, enter, you know, fuel that their, their economy and fuel their people, what right do we have to say they have to stay in the Stone Age?
1: That's not a truth bomb. That's an opinion.
5: Oh, I thought that's what a truth bomb was. A truth bomb is you dropping the truth about something. Oh, all right. Well, here's the truth. Um, there is no one more discriminated in this country than gay people. That is the absolute truth. I don't think anyone of any religion, of any race, of any other minority gets discriminated against or looked down on more than gay people. And I think you can even microcosm that where it's not even lesbians. It's gay men. Where you get to a situation of, I think we've all seen, you know, when we were in school, there was like a lesbian gym teacher or something like that, or a lesbian teacher. I think if a gay, a man is a teacher, they're immediately looked at as a pedophile, as a kid toucher for being in a school with children. I think it's it's automatic um, discrimination, right? There, and bias and prejudice, right there. I don't even think, you know, if people could say, you know, black people face a lot of prejudice, but I don't, But none of them get called a pedophile right off the bat.
1: The way you're saying I think, I think, it's coming across as an opinion, not a truth bomb. All right, that's the second uh, so-called truth bomb that's really just an opinion bomb.
5: And hitting a kid does no good. You should never, ever hit a kid. There is no reason to it. It's a bully move. It's, you're hitting a kid because you can. And I think, and a lot, and a lot of
1: times... No, you're right. It's an opinion. Oh, for 3. Um, here is Matt. Matt, you're on a fez. Hey,
3: uh, fez, it's pronounced nuclear, not nuclear. And it, it's driving me bonkers when you do that.
5: Why does that drive you so crazy? You don't have to say it that way.
3: not that I have to hear you say it that way. I don't think I'm that far
5: off. Nuclear.
3: Yeah, nuclear. There you go. You had it that time.
5: Exactly. That's what I said before.
3: Keep up the good work.
5: You too, my friend. Philly and Rockford, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Hi, guys. I just wanted to agree with Fez about the um, gay men being discriminated against. My dad has a therapist that's supposed to come to his house found out he was a gay man and canceled. My dad's 78, can't get with the new program. That's sad.
1: You're d- <laughs> Wait, who's <laughs> gay? Your dad?
3: No, no, my dad is not gay, but he can't, he can't accept a gay man coming and helping him do his physical therapy. Well, he doesn't
1: want a gay guy touching him.
3: That's right.
1: I tried to talk to him, but he won't
3: listen. So I tried to help, Fez.
5: But that's the discrimination. He immediately thinks that a gay man is going to molest him.
1: No, he just doesn't like it. He just doesn't like being touched by it. It's just like if you want to get a massage. I'm going to prefer a woman to get me a massage. I don't care if it's a straight man. I'd rather a woman to get it. Don't take that fucking so harshly. Uh, Gail. Gail in New York. You're on the Ron face show.
3: Hey, nice editorial tutorial there.
5: Thank you, Gail. That was my discrimination truth bomb that I was dropping. Pinion bomb.
1: Uh, Chris in North Carolina.
10: <laughs>
1: um, can't get you. Here's Rick. Rick, you're on the run Fed Fetish Show.
3: Hey, buddies. Nice catty moment.
5: <laughs> that was not a catty moment. Catty moment is when I take down some woman in the news a few pegs. Usually because of looks or wardrobe or some sort of behavior.
7: Fez seems to know what's best for everyone but Fez. Have you gotten a cape yet, Fez?
5: Um, Because I stick up for people, I don't think that's knowing what's best for them. Aaron, you're on run of Fez.
3: Hey, Fezzy, how are you? Good, thank you. Hey, um, I want to ask you why you think the Iranians need to power their people when they're with du- with nuclear power when they're sitting on like an ocean or a lake of oil? Doesn't won't that provide enough power for them?
5: But we shouldn't be the end all be all in this world where you know we say who can progress or not. You, well, you know what where we said. People couldn't that- have computers. Everyone should listen to us.
3: Well, that, well, sure, because we're, we're at least domesticated. We're not animals. You know what they're going to do with that nuclear power, don't you?
5: As long as it's not for weapons, I don't know why we should, would keep people, you know, in a polluting state of using oil. Well, because, <laughs> I, I, you know, I like, I don't really, the new FEDD is really angry. I,
3: I don't know why.
1: Uh, John, I blame Judy. John, you're on The Ron and Fez Show.
3: Hey, Ron, this is Josh from New Mexico. And the reason why I'm calling is I don't believe gays are the most discriminated. I mean, Fez earlier said that Iran shouldn't have nuclear weapons. That goes to show that they're the most discriminated. I mean, you don't, jump on a, you don't want to get on a plane with a Muslim, but you're not going to say, oh, that's a gay person.
5: I'm not jumping on that plane with him. You know what I'm saying? I still think gays are more discriminated against. That's what well, you think? That, no, that's the truth. That's a fact.
1: And you're basing that on? Where's your information for the fact?
5: Um, I don't have any, you know, a report or anything. Thanks.
1: Sean, you're on the run of Fez show.
5: Hey, Ronnie, I would like to drop a truth bomb if I could.
1: Sure.
3: No, truth bomb. Fez's bits are all the exact same thing.
1: Uh, Jim, Jim, you're on the run of Fez show.
3: Oh, here comes Fez with his opinions.
1: 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We brought up the the thing where I said uh, I always like to get massaged by chicks. Let me ask you this, Hicks. If you're at a spa or something, would you want your chick to be massaged by a fucking guy? Oh, fuck
0: no. No, I don't want another fucking dude fucking rubbing her down, making her feel good. All right, let me ask ask Dave.
4: Absolutely not. I'm a very jealous person. And my chick, I don't want um, another man to sneeze in her vicinity, let alone touch her. I don't want her shaking hands. I don't even like that when men and women shake hands. Hmm. Fuck it. Fuck it in the ass. Uh, Mike, Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Yeah, hey, Roddy. Listen, everybody knows it's an absolutely true fact that if that gay physical therapist touches that old man, the old man's going to catch gay. Just like if, if Fez was small and a gay man rinsed out his butt with a hose, if that man was gay, well, then Fez would catch gay. Hmm. I mean, Dave,
1: you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Yes, I would like to congratulate Fez on the Woodstock interview. Best interview I've heard in a long time.
5: Well, that was Ronnie conducting the interview, my friend. Yeah, but you uh,
1: struggled through the plug.
5: I did have a little trouble there. Pissed at myself. Why? Because it's stupid not to be able to read a plug. Two lines of copy—that's ridiculous.
1: Uh, Ted, Ted, you're on Fez.
3: Hey, how you doing? Hey. Hey, I want want to say I was on a cruise ship with my girl. She wouldn't let me get a massage. By the girl on the ship, when she took a look at her, this girl could have been Miss America. She was so beautiful. And it squashed any chance I had of getting a massage. Mm. She got one, but I didn't. Hey, did you see,
1: hear the one of the guys from the Woodstock guys can say thanks to you? What he called you? No. Fuzz. I didn't even hear that. Yeah, when they were leaving. He says, thank you, Fuzz. I'm like Who would be named Fuzz? That's a stupid name. This, his
5: name is Fez. Just send them an email and correct them. Uh, Max, uh, you're on run of Fez.
3: Fezzy, I hope you realize you're getting manipulated here. They're turning in you, they're turning you into Earl Jr. You are, you're on your way out, partner. You need to get it together.
5: I am so not on my way out. There is I no way.
3: I, I hope not, Mac. Uh, fez, you definitely are you. in
1: the crazy Earl position now, though. You, you are basically dinosaurs were on the arc guy at this point.
5: Well, it's, uh, it was my suggestion of what to do, you know, to try to get rid of hunting.
1: But- no, I mean, overall, all your stuff now is the crazier. Earl would have the crazy things there, and then he thought his minority was the only minority that, that counted, and it's the only time he got involved in stuff. You are Crazy Earl now.
5: Oh, well, I do not want to be Earl.
1: It's better than being Crying Fez. I when mean, I'm really thinking about it? Uh huh. Crazy Earl was probably above crying fez. So you may be scraping your way up. You're gonna be disgusting. Dave, uh addicted fucking uh Hicks. You're gonna pull your way up out of this. Uh here is uh Driver. Driver, you're on the run of Fez show, driver in Denver.
3: Hey, Ronnie, I want to, uh, I want to nominate that, that lady's dad for the Beanie Cup for actually doing something that feels natural to him instead of trying to be so PC. You know what I'm saying, Tess?
5: I understand what you're saying, but yeah. it proves my point about the discrimination and about the the built-in prejudice.
1: Corey uh, in Virginia, you're on the Run and
3: Fez show.
5: What's up, buddies? Hey. Hey, Fezzy, when does the uh, first edition of
3: Gay Rock Coalition come out? Can't wait.
5: I do not have a gay rock coalition put together. It would
1: actually better be better than the black rock one. You'd have more fucking X. Uh, um, all right, now, Jules said that you corrected the guy and said it's Fez. when he called you Fuzz.
5: I did? I do not remember that. Because I don't remember... I remember introducing myself, but I don't remember him saying Fuzz. Uh,
1: Dave, you're on run of Fez.
3: Hey, Roddy, how come Fez is so pro-Iranian when their president clearly stated they don't allow homos in their
1: country? See ya. Yeah, it's very, very... That was an interesting thing for me to hear, too. For you went from the uh, gay people having such a hard time here. Try living in one of those Muslim fucking countries. They'll fucking cut your head off. Yet, yeah, you want to give those idiots nukes. Oh, yeah. That'll give them something good to hold on to the next time they're flying into one of our buildings. See, I feel like I gave you a little bit of time.
5: Yeah, but not all of it. You want me to stay out forever? No, no, don't stay out forever. No. You can just sit here and rant? No, I... It's it's really egotistical of America to say that other countries can't progress.
1: It's not uh, egotistical. It's looking out for our national safety. And we're not the only country that feels that way. There's not one country that owns nukes that wants another country to have them. Because they will bring down the world. They will destroy the world. Now you tell me right now, do you trust an American's finger on the button Or an Iranian's finger on the button.
5: An American finger on the button.
1: That's where we have it right now. Let's keep it that way.
5: But shouldn't they be allowed to use the nuclear power?
1: They don't want fucking nuclear power. They want nuclear bombs. The fuck do they care about nuclear power? They don't even have fucking chicken restaurants over there. They got so fucking far to go. There isn't an ATM.
5: But if we sit sit in judgment on people, on something that's peaceful, I understand the weapons. They don't want it
1: for peaceful means. They want it for weapons. They're hiding it behind this fucking, we want our own things. There's not an ATM in the country. And now they want nukes? You can't get baby wipes over there.
5: But they're ready for fucking nukes. I didn't realize they were that so far behind.
1: Maybe you need to do a little fucking searching. Sean, you're on the of Fez show.
0: Hey, Ronnie.
3: Oh, no. It's a homo conundrum.
1: <laughs> Mike in New Jersey, you're on of Fez.
3: Yeah, Iran doesn't even have mailboxes yet. They throw the
1: weather's at your door still. It's insane. It's so- they don't even have fucking plastic milk bottles. They're still rocking the old milk pails like it was in the fucking 30s. John, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, don't you know, uh, Fez, you're doing the same exact thing that you're complaining about. Do you, what? Do you get that? What's that? You're doing the same exact thing that you're complaining about.
5: What am I doing that I'm complaining about?
1: about Using nuclear energy? What kind of energy?
5: Nuclear. You're
3: judging. You're trying to judge people.
1: He can't help it. Gays are very judgmental.
5: See, that's another prejudice. It's a fact.
1: I feel like I can speak for the gays. On this show, I can speak for them. Because I'm not ashamed of them. I'm not afraid of my family. So I can speak for the gays. Matter of fact, I will be the gay uh, spokesman. 4202. Unless anybody from uh, the o a show wants to. I mean, I know they got
4: Kenny. <clears throat> My brother's gay. I'm sure he'd sign off on you speaking for him. Well, somebody has to. Somebody has to stand
1: up and be counted. I'm a don't blend in guy. Right. That's I- why I wear this white fucking bracelet for the last seven weeks. I don't blend in.
4: No, it's what I told my brother. I said, Ron says, you know, don't make it too obvious. Benjamin
1: in Utah. You're on the Ron Fez Show.
3: Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Fez. Yes. Listen, I'm, I'm gay, okay? And I don't agree with you. Uh, well, I agree with you. Maybe we're discriminated at, but I think a, a, lot, of, a lot of ways deserve it because no other group.
1: ah, uh, We lost you, brother. Love to heard that.
5: No other group does something.
1: Uh, Lenny in North Carolina, you're on the Run of Fez show.
5: Hey
3: Fezzy, this is Lenny. And listen, I just want to call in to defend you right now and tell you that, you know, all these haters that are calling up right now and throwing down bullshit on you is a bunch of crap. You're a wonderful guy and you got a lot to add to everything there is out there and this is
5: just bullshit you here's, know a problem lenny is chuck wagon ooh
3: yeah i am chuck wagon and again this is with the bullshit. chuck wagon
1: chuck what you know fez doesn't want you on the show defending him
3: oh why
1: cuz he feels like you're busting his balls
3: well, I'm not. Uh, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Fez supporter. But you, you
1: even called in under a different name because you know he asked us not to go to your calls anymore.
3: Well, this is uh, Lenny. I told him it was Lenny. Chuck Waggon Cook. Not my fault. Your screeners
5: are inept. So listen he's... to the sarcasm in his voice.
3: No, listen, Fez. I call. No, I'm
5: just calling in as Lenny. No, I support Fez.
6: You oh, know, you know what? This, this is, is just, just more game. of his
5: this games. This is
3: just getting out of control now, Fez, okay?
6: Yes, Listen with you the-
5: trying to sneak by the phone screeners constantly. Uh,
3: sneaking by? I told him this was Lenny. It's Chuck Wagon Cook. How is that fucking sneaking by, okay?
1: What is the story between you two guys?
3: Well, let me tell let me give my side of the story, Fez. But we're in the middle
1: had- of a different show, Lenny. Well, I, I called in to support Fez. He doesn't like you, Lenny.
5: I don't I'm need sorry. I don't need your support, bro. You know what you need? You
3: need support for those big man breasts you got, you fucking fat faggot.
5: Well, that it, didn't sound like support at all. Was that really him this time? I think it was. I am saying out loud, that sounded like Chuck Wagon to me. And it sounded like a Chuck Wagon gimmick that he was trying to pull to use a different name to get on the show and act like he's supporting me in the most sarcastic of ways.
1: But it might not have been him. I can't keep up anymore. I know you're saying don't let him on the show anymore. Right. Then he calls here. You said that was him.
5: I think it was him. I, it's To me, that sounds just like Chuck Wagon.
1: I can't, I can't keep this up, Fez. I'm coming to the end of my rope. Uh, here is, uh, Matt. Matt, you're on Run, Fez.
3: Hey, Ronnie, I, I think we'd appreciate it when you're speaking for your cause if you could use the baritone gay voice.
1: I'll do the baritone gay voice. One thing we want is be able to be married. I'm not kidding. I'd like to marry my lover. Whether he's male or female. I'm baritone gay. Oh, my God. I hope my cat's fine. Jesus, if anything happens to that cat, I'll kill myself. Lenny, don't call here anymore. You bring bringing nothing but troubles. Joe, you're on the Ranafez Show.
3: Hey, uh, I just wanted to make a comment about the Iran idea. Um, It's absolutely ridiculous to entrust nuclear powers with a country that has There's video. There's videos of public rallies uh, with the the Iranians making statements like death to Americans. You can't entrust somebody with nuclear power like that. It's not a matter of Americans being selfish. It's a matter of Americans, you know, looking out for the best interests of everybody else. Thanks, guys.
1: It's common sense. We're not going to give these fucking lunatics... Any nukes. It's not a free fucking country. It's being run by radical maniacs who fucking thinks that when they fucking blow themselves up, they get virgins. Fuck you. You get nothing. You get nothing. The only reason why fucking Israel hasn't wiped you off the fucking map is that we got a hold of their leash. We fucking let go of them for two seconds. They'll nuke the shit out of that fucking shit can. Waste of a fucking... uh The planet. I ran. They held our fucking people hostages. Motherfuckers. Um, Hi, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Meow? Yeah. Yes. Meow yeah, meow?
5: Fez, is this your cat? Yeah. This is Skippy. This is not Skippy.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. It's the Renafed Show. It's tonight, right?
5: better be. That ball
2: drops. I'm going to grab a slut. I'm just going to pee in her butt. Hey babe, your hair's alright Hey babe, so stay up like tonight It's not me and I like it home We
6: like dancing
2: and we look divine You love bands when they play it hard You want more when you want it gone Put you down, and say I'm wrong Exactly. thing thing Put Dress. Rebel, rebel, your face is a mess Rebel, rebel, how could they know
1: Hot tramp, I love you so the Fez show I've gotten some emails here About Fez's truth bombs and asking If he's just trying, if this is a gimmick To piss people off I'm going to give
5: my opinion, Fizz. All right. Yes, it is. These are things I truly believe in. I don't believe you. I do not believe you.
1: I don't believe you want uh, Iran to have nukes. It just doesn't make sense. Look at Kobe shoot from the outside. If the Magic wins, this will be gigantic.
4: Uh, arguably the biggest NBA upset in the history of the league. Well, let's face
1: it, them getting this far is yeah, them getting past LeBron, phenomenal.
4: NBA, you really don't get a lot of upsets. No one upset the Bulls. No one upset the Spurs. No one upset. If you want to call the Pistons upsetting the Lakers back in uh, you know early two thousands, maybe two thousand four, but that the, the Pistons then went on to go to the finals again, where they lost to the Spurs. So they were a good team. What
1: about keeping Dallas out so many times? That always felt like an upset to <laughs> Those teams
4: should have won so many times. <laughs> right? Dallas. And remember how good Sacramento was mm-hmm. in the shaq Kobe years? They could have been, you know, a three-time title team. But basketball, usually the good, you know, football, there's upsets. Baseball, there's definitely upsets. Not so much in hoops. That's why
5: Lakers in five. Basketball seems to be a sport where the repeat seems to be more expected than any other sport
4: baseball yeah i mean i guess i agree with you to a certain extent because basketball has for a team sport the least amount of pieces right so it's easier to repeat you just try to keep the team healthy and in whole but you know if someone like garnett goes down there go your there goes your shot right
1: but in the same way that you know we just saw happen with the patriots you lose the qb yeah it's you over. don't come back right
4: So game one starts tomorrow. I'm pumped. Back all you want. You ain't leaving.
1: Uh, Z-Man on his um, Z-Man blog. He has brought up his latest cougar. Uh, As you know, uh, he likes different cougars, uh, which is older women chasing younger guys. And since Z-Man is 17, he loves his cougar site. Uh, This time he said, I have somebody picked that is against, uh, that everybody will agree on, and he's got uh, Chrissy Brinkley. Now, here's the weird thing about Chrissy Brinkley. Is she a beautiful woman? Yes, she is. Is she sexy? Not as. And is the way she treated men almost a turnoff? I'll say absolutely. Absolutely. To see what she put Billy Joel and that last husband through, I don't think I would. Uh, I don't think I got it for Chrissy Brinkley,
4: even though she's beautiful. I think she lacks sexy, and I think she always she's always had a really vacant stare. There doesn't seem to be a lot of life and passion in those eyes, and I, I agree Grab with you. And yeah, and so that's why I think that she, she she's not sexual at all. Even in that Chevy Chase, you know, movie where she's supposed to be all hot, and she's in her prime, right? I don't know.
5: That was modeling. Cheryl Teagues was always like, I thought, what do you mean better? Where it's like he's talking about her look and stuff. Uh-huh. It's it's a model look. Like she knows how to pose. Even in the vacation movie. Right, she's beautiful. She's doing a photo shoot.
1: She is beautiful, but is she intriguing? Now, you brought up the sexy thing. Her last husband that uh, she divorced, he's like, Of course I gotta go out and fuck young girls. My own wife isn't banging me. (laughs) That that proves the point. So, what's the fucking point of,
4: you know, having this gorgeous face, great body, if you're not fucking using it? Furthermore, she should be disqualified from the Cougar Hall of Fame because she won't have sex with you. I mean, the part of the cougar hall of fame is you want to have sex with them. Well, she, yeah, no,
1: she, he he makes up cougar for what he wants. Oh, cougar even stopped meaning. See, cougar is supposed to mean uh, older woman who wants uh, younger um, dudes. I how about this? If your spouse will not have sex with you, and this is an ongoing thing, not like I'm mad at you tonight, Dave, but she's just like you know what. Stop bringing your dick around here. Don't you think that
4: would open up the door that you can go wherever you want? Yeah, that's definitely giving you permission. That's a green light. She and she's probably fine with it as long as you as long as you don't she doesn't right. know about it. So it doesn't end up in the Hamptons newspaper.
1: <laughs> it's not in the Condé Nash magazine like her last husband was.
4: But if you go to a nice Asian uh, massage parlor. All right, let's just throw this out there. Are there
1: any beautiful women who just don't do it for you because of attitude. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like there's something about their attitude that just chills you. Because I, I would put Chrissy Brinkley there for me. I'm not a big fan of like Halle Berry so much. You're crazy. She's too sweet. Fez. You got a key to fucking four
4: wins. Give it to him. <laughs> Because you belong in an insane asylum.
1: Wait, no, I keep
5: a tab running. Don't she you
4: think she's too sweet? Like, she wouldn't be good at in, in, at fucking. She wouldn't be... Because she's too sweet. She's too...
1: I'll fucking turn her out. <laughs> I don't care what skill she comes in with. Monster's balls are... <laughs> yeah. It'll be Monster's ball completely. <laughs> Probably doing a Billy Bob voice. <laughs> uh, what about for you, Hicks?
0: Um... The cast of The Hills, like all those broads, they're, they're really super they're This super is going to
1: stun you. I don't even know what The Hills is. I just heard about it this week on Celebrity Apprentice, whatever that fucking... I'm a Celebrity Apprentice. Let me out of here.
0: Well, the, all these <laughs> girls just seem too privileged and, and just bitchy to actually be sexy. The, all the, all the, they were just whores, not the good kind of whores. See, that, that, takes, whores.
1: that takes me back to fucking uh, Christy Brinkley ever since that uptown girl bullshit. (laughs) What are you, up-fucking-town? I'm a scumbag, and you're uptown? Fuck you. Uh, Here is uh, Bill. Bill, you're on Running Fez.
3: Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Fez. Yeah, Megan Fox just doesn't seem attractive to me. It's just something about her. I think it's just her eyebrows and the way she looks just makes me disgusted.
1: Bill, you need somebody with a set of balls in the dick. Now, (laughs) having said that, as attractive as Megan Fox is, and she's beautiful, everything she fucking says is unappealing. <laughs> Any fucking quote I see from this girl
5: is unappealing. And that's the same with Jessica Beale. Jessica Beale? Yeah. Flashdance? Who's
1: Jessica Beale? Isn't that Timberlake's girlfriend? All right, I don't know. Yeah, I got confused.
5: And her attitude of, Oh, I'm too beautiful. I don't know, Jessica Beale is unbelievable ass. You might be thinking Jessica Alba. Are you thinking of Jessica Alba? No, I'm thinking I think Timberlake's girlfriend's name is Jessica Beale. Here's uh, Mark in Atlanta.
1: Mark, you're on the Run of fed show.
3: Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah.
5: I've uh, I've never
3: liked Cameron Diaz's whole shtick, her whole like goofy kind of girl thing. I mean people would say she's attractive, but she just
1: totally turns me off with that. Well, we uh, we brought this up on... Please stop it with the music. You're fucking killing me. I feel like I'm listening to Billy Joel. When I hear that in my ears, it's like fucking Billy Joel was screaming Uptown Girl in my ears. <laughs> um, the Cameron Diaz, we talked about this before. It's kind of a turn off when girls think burping and farting yeah. is fun. You know what? If I want a buddy, I'll go get high with Hicks. But I don't... I'm not looking for that in a woman. I want to. Be, but having said that, I did see her in the museum not too long ago. She's really a fucking pretty girl. I mean, seriously, a fucking pretty, even if she wasn't famous. You'd be like, that's a fucking pretty girl over there. I loved her in the mask. Yeah, she was stunning in the
5: mask. That joker and face. i like her in a mask.
1: Uh, Jason, you're on a fez.
5: Yeah,
3: I got Catherine uh, Heigl. When she was complaining about, uh, I don't know. She was knocked up, to so be uh, knocked up. Oh
4: yeah, you know what?
1: You're a really good point there. She is beautiful, um, but doesn't really have the uh, the sex appeal thing.
5: And she a big complainer about how uh, Grey's Anatomy made her a star. Yeah, and right. talked about how um, you know she it wasn't a good enough role. And she, you know, came across as I'm better than the other actors and the writing stinks on this show. But then she
1: said, she no. she said she wanted to come back that year.
5: Yeah. Then yeah. yeah then she, that happened. Yeah. Then she turned it all around. But I never saw the
1: show. She might be right for all I know.
5: Yeah. But she wasn't
4: exactly winning Oscars for Knocked Up. I mean, she she's she's cast. She belongs where she is. Where is she? She's honored. A star. TV doctor show. Well, wait a minute.
1: Perhaps you haven't seen a little film called Twenty Seven Dresses, where <laughs> she runs off with our good friend Mikey Background. The last scene of the movie, she's making out with Mikey Background. <laughs>
4: really? Yeah. You didn't see? I it? I saw him play the drums. Yeah, and then they I make didn't see out. That part? Fuck! I wasn't paying attention enough. I did see a stupid head play the drums, though. I was like, uh, That's he, awesome. he was
1: in every fucking <laughs> shot. He's a full time actor and drummer now. Uh, Josh. You're running a fez,
3: yo buddies. Yeah. Uh, Sharon, I'm gonna botch the name because I, I already missed it up. Uh, Sharon Daughtery from uh, like Morat to 90210. Just seems like a cunt.
1: You know what? But I think I heard somebody I I like say good. Oh, I think Kevin Smith. Yeah, said very very good things about her, in
4: uh, in real life. I, I know she has the bad reputation. I like that though. She's she's kind of like a bad girl. Uh-huh. Uh, I think she's sexy in a different way. Yeah, she's got a little personality about yeah. her, right? Th- and that's great, too, when you have that chick that your friends hate you for.
1: <laughs> like, she's a cunt. Well, whatever. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Remember I said about us being friends forever? Bullshit. Done. I'm with an cl- unbelievable piece of ass now. I don't have time for you fucking ball grabbers. Uh, Scott, you're on the and Face show.
3: Hey, buddies. I was going to say, Jennifer Aniston.
1: Jennifer Aniston, here's the thing. She's absolutely a beautiful woman. In every way, a woman can be beautiful. But this thing of, I only date people that can get me in the magazines, is a little unappealing.
4: And I think she got too skinny for her own good. Uh, I can't play those games. She's pretty perfect. If you saw, like, I just, I don't watch the show, but I was flipping <laughs> past TBS. And her, her and Friends is
5: so much different than the way she looks now. And she was so much hotter. Mm. That last movie she had out, she looked really different. I don't know what it was, but the, she looked really. What, what's the last movie? Um, I'm trying to think of what it. Marley that, and Me. No, it wasn't Marley and Me. It was. It was something I think that just came and went like recently in the mm-hmm. past couple weeks. No idea
1: what you mean. Here's Tom in Boston. You're on man face.
5: Yeah, I'd like to say uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. I
3: mean uh, Scarface. Oh. What kind of What kind of chick gets all coked up all the time?
1: Tom, Tom? Tom, lose our fucking phone number. Never call here again. You see what you're attracting, Fez? You're turning this into the gay hour. Look at this Norman Lear collection I got. This will be going immediately, immediately to eBay. Oh, yeah, make a couple dollars. Why not? (laughs) Buy it now option on that? (laughs) A couple of fucking shekels. That's huge, the shipping charges. Yeah, I shouldn't even open it. In the package, you put it on your mantle. <clears throat> Here's Robin Houston.
3: Hey, man. Uh, I, Renee Zellweger. I mean, with that lemon, scrunchy face that she makes, I don't know. It's just.
1: I saw her on the, on the street one day in jogging shorts and a tank top. It was up on the Upper East Side. You're going to be surprised when I say this. In real life, didn't have that star quality.
4: I don't doubt it. I don't think she's even been considered a beauty since Empire Records. Let me just say this. Her skin is
1: not unlike yours, Dave. What is When I was up close. So how is that? Patchy, splotchy. Patchy? Yeah. Splotchy? Disgusting. Nearly transparent. Um, Here is uh, Edwin. Edwin, you're on the Ron Fez show. he, Uh He... Edwin, I really want to go to you. No. I'll try to call us back because I dig your, what you gotta say. Anthony, you're on the run of Fez show.
3: Hey there guys. Um, I got Jessica Simpson. I mean she's perfect to look at, but mm-hmm. just anyone that would fuck a cowboy. I mean, come on.
1: Really? That fucked it up for me. You might as well be blowing Troy Aikman. <laughs> See, Aiken a woman that you have so much respect for can chuck it out the
4: fucking window on you, can't they? Well, especially on Romo, who's a choker. But that fucking drives me nuts. Although, I mean, I have to admit, you, you see her in that Daisy Duke video, It's it, that's pretty impressive stuff. She's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, let's not, you know, she has put on pounds of cor- uh apparently. They're but, already back off. Good. Yeah. Uh, no matter how stupid she
1: is, and how awful. Uh, yeah, she's still fucking hot. Uh, Captain Jack, you're on Running Fez.
3: Hey, buddies, what's going on? It's yeah. uh, not attractive for the attitude and not attractive after the uh, roll and blow. Penelope Cruz.
1: Uh, get off our phones. <laughs> stay off our phones. When I fucking finally do turn gay, there will be a show that you're free to call me and fez that. I can't fucking play the anti-Penelope Cruz thing. That's insane. Uh. Craig, you're on the Ron Fez show. Craig in Oregon. Hey, boys.
3: Yeah. Uh, I gotta say it, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. I can't stand. I've never, never found her attractive yet. They always make this big deal about her, and I don't get it.
4: I disagree. I think it's very bandwagon to attack her, and I think that she's pretty fucking hot, especially when her hair is curly. All right. Remember when I went back to the uh,
1: burping and farting thing? Yes. Do you agree or disagree, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Hicks, where are you on this?
0: Yeah, I I agree. It's just a huge fucking turn off. I want a woman to be a woman, not turn into a dude.
1: You really want to feel bad because they got a spy report here?
0: Spy report. Spy report.
1: Do you want to know somebody who claims that they do that? Who? Maybe you don't want to know. I
4: want to
0: know. Because
1: it's someone we all cherish. I want
5: to know. I think I want to know.
1: Of course you want to know. You hate women. I'm talking to the hetros. I, yeah. You're gonna hate this. Maybe it's you gonna should, ruin maybe you something. Then. It's gonna ruin something. I still want to know. I think. All right, Hicks. Then you take off your headphones. I don't want you to hear Brazilian Julie. <laughs> oh
5: you no! You were right.
3: You were right. No!
1: All right, calm down. No! Hicks, Who put on your headphones. Who? No, buddy.
6: Oh, oh boy! Oh, no, good. What are
1: you doing? What are you kicking the couch for? No!
5: You were right! I hate to hear that. Ah! Dave looks upset.
1: Yeah, don't worry about him. Oh, Oh, by the way, Hicks, do you think Brazilian Julie's hot?
0: She's pretty attractive, yes. Yeah, she is. No!
1: Uh, uh, Luke, you're on the Run and Fez show.
3: Hey, Ron. I'm going to have to go with uh, Mandy Moore.
1: You can't say she's not attractive. She's
3: great oh, looking. She's attractive, but she <laughs> screwed over our boy Vinny. She's awesome. Yeah.
1: I mean, what happened with her and Vinny Chase was my favorite thing <laughs> and the only thing
4: I know she's ever done. She's a wonder. She's a she's tall. Oh, come on. Even when she made that video candy, everyone was like, "Oh yeah." What's the candy? Oh, What's yeah. the candy song? I'm not you familiar will, with it. You little bitch. <laughs> give us three years. I think she only made it when she was like 15, and it was it was so much better than anything Britney Spears has ever done.
1: Oh, you're a message for you from Brazilian Julie.
4: Yeah.
6: <laughs> oh, come on now! <laughs> I actually can smell them! <clears throat> I can smell
4: them. This is her song?
0: Yeah, this is candy.
4: You was sucking a little lollipop.
2: This
1: isn't even a real song, is it? Oh, is <laughs> this like a 99, 2000 deal? Yeah, right around there. It was definitely yeah. after Britney. But everybody's trying to be Britney. Exactly. Every chance you'd had... There's like another bridge.
4: Yeah, and they kept getting worse. Right, and worse. I like
1: this though. I'm tasting you like candy. Is that what she <laughs> said? Uh, Paul, Paul, we're talking about uh, women that turn us off.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, one that I used to think was just absolutely hot, and now I just can't
6: even uh, look at it anymore. Annette uh, Penning. Ever since. Get Gary off the Barnes. fucking
4: phone! Come on! Come Get off man. the phone! Just, just go off. away. Might as well be calling up with fucking Jessica Lange.
3: Go away.
4: Uh, Jason, Jason, you're on the Run of Fed show.
3: What do you say, fellas? Uh, How's the afternoon going?
1: Well, what can we do for you?
3: Hey, listen, Ashley Judge, she looks just like. Go away! Stop it, sir! Get off
1: the phone! Stop it! Stop calling here! Come on, Aaron. Man. Hot women to turn you off.
6: Uh, Angelina Jolie. Everybody- Go away, hey, hey, Mister! Go away! You your ass. You don't belong here. Smarten up!
1: I can't fucking stand this topic now. Fuck.
4: Hey, Ron, I'm miss- Marilyn Monroe <laughs> was as
5: hot as they said she was.
1: I'm missing you like candy. Come on, give us a little more candy by Mandy Moore.
5: They always give a young girl candy to sing about because it's like innocent and dirty all at the same time. The bad files. else candy with dirty
4: thoughts?
10: <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> I, 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 am missing
1: you Hula candy, yeah I never heard this before <laughs> It's
4: awesome, isn't it? Show
1: talking about hot women who turn you off David, you're on the Run and Play show
3: Uh, Thanks for the extra hour. And I know she's a natural beauty, but maybe it's because she's a ginger and she seems like an ice queen. Nicole Kidman.
4: Get off the phone!
3: Go away! Think
4: before you call. Stop calling! Come on. Thought, then dial. Thought,
1: then dial. (laughs) um, Here is uh, Josh. He's going for the jokes. Josh, you're on the Renafade Show.
3: Hey, Ronnie. Uh, Kate Goslin from Johnny Kate. Oh, that she, but Wait, but not,
6: she, she doesn't <laughs> even. That's isn't even something to debate. Have you seen the picture of her
3: in the bathing suit? No. Look up the picture of her in the bathing suit this past you know, weekend.
1: Maybe if I find myself at a Publix, I don't want any part of this, and I'd really like to stay out of the conversations. That's her at the beach. Yeah, that's her. She looks awful good for having six kids, huh? Yeah, really. Did you have a tummy tuck?
0: Yeah, the show paid for it.
1: Where does that? Uh, where are they tucked though? In the back.
0: I see a scar like near her, um, where where and her above her. Th- yeah, thigh. yeah, but that's probably yeah.
1: C-section scar there, brother. Really? Mm. Yeah, yeah, she ain't gonna push out fucking six <laughs> kids.
0: <laughs>
5: if she turned around, you see a knot of skin in the back.
1: See, I'd like to see that.
4: See if there's more photos. Yeah, there is. Yeah.
7: See.
4: There's an ass shot, yeah.
1: You know? uh, that's a no ass shot. That fucking has the man's cool
4: Yeah, her body kind of looks like Andre Agassiz from the sure. back, like it's, the hair and yeah, everything. Yeah, she's a nice Andre Agassi look.
5: I think his feet are bigger. <laughs> that's about it.
1: Would have been funnier if you would have went the other way. That's what I meant
5: to do. I totally. <laughs> you could have, you know,
1: is that a joke instead of the truth thing. You're taking it too far. His feet are
4: bigger than hers, obviously. He also can bench more.
5: <laughs> I don't know about that.
4: Going back to the jokes now. <laughs> a little too, too little, too
1: late. Uh, Andre, you're on the Run Face show.
3: Yeah, I got I he... one for you, Sigourney Weaver.
4: Get off. Get, off what, Get off Lose the phone. Get off the phone. Lose the number, Lose the
1: number. Why do you Twitter huh? something to me right now, Dave? <laughs> I Because I like, further. seriously, you're starting to crawl your way back into my heart. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> you th- backed me up I, here today.
4: I did. Oh, no, okay. I, I'll Twitter something.
1: Ron just threw a cowbell at me, but I still 81 him.
4: I guess it's where we have to do multiples of
1: three. Mm, still, I don't like it. I'd really love to find out who that uh, I love uh, Ronnie B is, though. She's a mystery.
4: I could do, she's I could a mystery. Some, I could do some digging. It.
1: No right. one can ever find out. She's like Batman. <laughs> she is like Batman. Well, we all saw the movies. We know who he is. Yeah. You know who I believe she is? Who? Royalty. I believe she's royalty. Fergie? <laughs> Fergie is no longer royalty. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got talking about this... Uh, the latest Tommy Z uh, thing. And let's face it, it's his website. If he wants to fuck it up, he can. But when you're only five or six of the cougars in here, <laughs> Ron's the best. Get off the phone. Good one. Just in case people try to call yeah. up while they're... Do me a favor. Uh, Final, uh, I love Ronnie B, and make sure that you follow her and she follows you. I don't know what that's
4: called on Twitter. That's that's you're right. Actually, it's called following. Yeah, yeah. People say I have esd a certain amount of followers. Because she is a mystery, she's an absolute mystery.
1: I believe her to be royalty, perhaps German royalty. Okay. Uh, but um, here's something I noticed about Tommy Z. He's very popular on Whack but they ran him off RonFez.net. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. They ran him off ronfez.net. dot net. He doesn't feel uh, comfortable there. Well, they see him for what he is. Uh, JT, we're talking about uh, women that could turn you
3: off. Oh, hang on a second, Ronnie. my cheese steak down. <clears throat> Starving. Uh, Rene Russo.
6: Get off the phone. Go out. away. Got
4: the out number wrong, pal. Yeah.
1: All right, I just got an email that says I love Ronnie B burps and farts every two seconds. I don't believe that. I don't believe she's capable of.
5: I would hope not.
4: Hmm. I've only known Chris Stanley to have gas that bad. Now you
1: tell me. I had to make up a fucking thing with him that he can't fart in the same room as me. That he gets it out there and, and leaves it in the hall. I said, leave it in the hall before you come in here, because he almost fucking killed me. He farted the other day, silently, like he always does, and it caught on to some of the fucking air conditioner vents. I have stomach trouble.
5: Is there one? What's that mean? It just seemed like it was missing, like nothing was getting processed. It was just coming out in pure gas form.
1: Did not know what you meant, so that's great. It's great to have you stop and explain. Oh, Rodney. Rodney, you're on and Fez.
3: How's it going? Mm. Pam Anderson.
1: Mm. You know, there's something that's overly beat about that. About Pam? Yeah, (laughs) over-rocked.
4: There's been too much rock in there. Only in the eyes. Have you noticed that she doesn't, and now she doesn't take her sunglasses off? But I bet the county's just been banged every which way (laughs) but loose. It's been Hollywood environment.
5: I'll chew that taffy still.
4: Well, it's
1: more like a revolving
5: door. I'll get that hepatitis C. Between Kid Rock and Tommy Lee, I don't care.
1: And then the other, the Poison guy was in there.
5: Oh yeah, Brett Michaels. And don't forget uh, the surfer Kelly Slater.
1: Yeah, Kelly Slater, uh, Florida Zone. Uh, Scott Ironman manifest.
3: Ronnie B. Sir. Uh, not really attractive, but uh, Susan Sarandon. Get Gold off girl.
4: the Come phone, on, Mister. Beautiful. You don't know what you're talking about. Beautiful. Smarten up, jerk.
1: I like when you back me up, Dave. Changes everything.
4: I shouldn't be calling in here badmouthing Susan Sarandon like this. Thank you. I'd fuck Robbins to get to her. <laughs>
1: Tim or Tom?
5: Like <laughs> or to the do, birds.
1: I like to do a little literary thing there. Who's the birds, Robbins?
5: Actual physical Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
1: Gotcha. I'm with you 100% here. Hey, then, here's a news article I couldn't believe. Uh, sharks can be trained like dolphins to feed from keepers, roll over, enjoy cuddles, according to some new research.
5: That's a recipe for disaster right there. Trying to think you can cuddle with a shark? You're going to end up losing an arm, people. He's going
1: for the truth bombs. I'd have a pet shark, I'm telling you right now. I would keep it in just a regular-sized pool.
4: Well, this goes to prove that they lied to us about punching sharks in the noses all this time for their own... Why?
1: You punch a puppy in the nose, it'll
4: leave you alone? How about a kitten? But if we treat sharks with affection and pet them, they're not. we're not going to nearly have the problem.
5: Well, now we just know that punching Shh. them in the nose hurts their Shh. feelings.
1: I hear something. I'm going to put another barrel into him. Oh, he took it down. Three barrels. And he took them all down.
4: Damn it, Martin. These containers are
1: highly explosive. I'm telling you right now. There ain't a fucking shark on the planet. And I'm including the sand shark that I fucking trust. Does that make me come off as prejudice? Fuck you. I'm glad. I see a shark, I'm in the boat That's the fucking game
4: I play Or if you have an air tanker Just wedge it And the shark somehow didn't spit that out Or swallow it That shark's mouth didn't move It stuck between his teeth Uh, uh. (laughs) That was a little bit of a flaw It's
1: a fine movie though The best Spielberg's ever done The best It's hard to fight and you know the interesting thing is, no one saw that movie coming. That no, movie stuck up in America.
4: First, the blockbuster, first blockbuster, yeah,
1: cockbuster, uh, uh, buster, and blockbuster. Bigger. You know what? Was, it knocked off at number one at the time. No. Tez, you know? I have no idea. Nobody knows. Godfather. Godfather was number one at that time. Oh shit! <clears throat> A couple I... years later. Here comes little Stevie Spielberg <laughs> with his new Jewish toy.
4: Right. And, <laughs> and yeah, he was basically regarded that by those people, by Coppola and a couple of the Yeah, he was them. like. He was like. Uh, string. <laughs>
1: right. He was like String the Intern.
4: He was. Where you're like, yeah,
1: String's been around here.
4: <laughs> yeah, there was like that, um, that documentary about the 70s filmmakers. Yeah. And Margot Ketter's like, we just thought he was a a nerd like he didn't want coke he didn't even want to have sex well yeah she has to fuck him and he's like no nah. <laughs> and she would like take her fucking dress up and he'd be like stop it <laughs> where's my camera that's why there's no sex in Spielberg Shh. movies is has there? Is there ever been a sex scene I'm trying to think now, I mean there's no Jaws Raiders E.T. I mean I guess Schindler's List he banged he gets laid a couple times but real sex no there's not real bone in, in that movie um, what about Hook? Didn't he have something <laughs> happen in
5: there in Hook? With <laughs> little kids? If you count the actual Hook.
1: Bangarang. <laughs> this John Williams was unbelievable, right? Best. Is this the best John Williams song? I would... i mean, I'll say this. they They get a little redundant. Huh. They start to run together. But they're still
4: exceptional. Well, as much as I love Star Wars, I still think maybe E. T. is the defining movie theme by John Williams. By John Williams. All uh, right, let's take a listen because I think it's Jaws. Yeah.
1: Or it could be. To I me, mean, it's just like when you Vader's think of... theme. Yeah.
5: Yeah. This has nothing for me. This is
4: gonna. It, I'm sure. Sh- I'm, I'm sure it'll call, go in. Yeah. I don't know which one he chose. but I like to get right to the hook when I rock. Talking
1: about John Williams movie themes. <laughs> what is insane. the fuck is this? Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's fucking theme. Come on, dude. It's a ringtone. Come ring on, tone. come on, join radio.
4: What you say? is a ringtone. <laughs> it sounds like a ringtone right <laughs> it's there. Fucking
1: hysterical.
4: <laughs> I can sing it for you if you if you need me to.
1: Uh, Here is uh, Mike. Mike, you're on the Run Fed Show.
3: Hey, buddies. Hey, uh, there was male-on-male male butt sex in Shawshank Redemption. That's a he, he, he did
1: not fucking direct that film. Check the IMDB before you call in here. Look it up on the computer. Jesus Christ. Keyboards. They're for a reason. God damn oh, it. Dave might be back with me. What is so fucking hard yeah, about I... using the dilette? What's going on in there, Chris Stanley? There we go. It's cute, but it doesn't stand on its own.
4: You don't think so? I think Mm-mm. this is like you think of movies, you think of E. T. Alright, give me Vader's theme. Imperial March. It's under Imperial March. Is that what it's telling us? Yeah. We're going for the best John Williams. And why wouldn't we? You use the this is used in a lot of sports arenas too. So sure. that's that's why it's It's got some points on it. Passed
5: up the Star Wars theme.
1: Why don't you do this? Why don't you call Earl and beg him to come back? Because it's so fucking hard to grab music.
4: That's badass.
1: Yeah, it is. Scary shit, too, right? I'm now, after hearing this, though, I'm going to go back to Jaws as the number one.
4: And whenever you heard this, you knew that some... Empire General Schmizbo was about to get whacked. Yeah, somebody, yeah.
1: <laughs> this was a fucking dead giveaway. Somebody was getting air choked. Jim, you're on the Ron Face show.
3: Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Yeah. Um, I want to say, Superman the movie right. is his best. Is John Wayne's the, absolute the, best?
1: This actually is pretty stunning. <laughs> And now it starts to grow. It's even better. And then it builds. Yeah, this is fucking great.
5: You will believe a man can fly. Sounds like the sound before a planet explodes.
1: Ian, we're talking about uh, the best. John Williams.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I think Jurassic Park has a great theme song by John Williams.
1: All right, let's go to the Jurassic Park theme song. This gives us the sense of wonder.
4: Little baby dinosaurs hatching out of the egg. I think it's too nice for dinosaurs. Oh no, because remember, it was, it was all about,
1: at the beginning, it was about wonder. That was the great thing about that. Like, we felt like this is wonderful. This is great. Mm-hmm. This is good. Yeah. And this is kind of sad yeah. and studious. It sounds like smart people be around this. This is almost like university stuff. Uh, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes dinosaurs. They're nice. Here comes dinosaurs. Here comes dinosaurs. Mark, you're on the run of faith show.
6: Hey, there's one thing you can't you have you can't forget absolutely every time any little kid gets in the pool and goes under the water dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun yeah.
1: yeah, it's no really hard like to take it away from Jaws even though the Star Wars theme go to, we didn't even you know we did Vader's thing but we didn't do the straight out mm-hmm. Star Wars it's a fucking great song I don't know what Spielberg would have done without this son of a bitch I mean this is gigantic
4: <laughs> get ready
1: Ooh, oh, watching some Star
2: Wars watching some Star Wars on a movie
4: it was dark time for the rebellion
1: alright go to his IMDB I want book. to see what he did with Alan Spielberg too
4: he did uh, I know for a fact he did Oliver Stone's uh, Born on the Fourth of July Nixon J.K
1: the 4th of July. <laughs> to this. this is really, really great right here.
5: Well, this does feel like you're floating in space.
1: Let me go over here to Logan. Logan, you're on running fez.
3: What's going on, boys? Yeah. Um, First of all, I think he's been nominated like seventy some odd times for an Oscar. Um, And uh, the Olympic fanfare and theme, though, has got to be one of the most recognized.
1: Uh, Listen to this. This is his composition. Yeah. Yep. You can't get bigger than this. (laughs) He actually wrote this, though? Yes. He wrote this song. Yes, he did. This isn't some ancient song no, I, that got I, redid.
4: It sounds like it, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. because John Williams is a genius. I, I actually knew that factoid. All
1: right, this is his biggest song, in my opinion now, because I had no idea.
5: This must have been one of the first things he did.
1: Yeah, when was this done? When was this song composed?
5: I believe for the 84 Olympics. Let's see, This song has been around longer than 84. I don't know. Maybe
4: earlier than that. I, I, I just i just threw out a guess.
1: I got a feeling he only redid it. If I had to really be honest.
4: Well, he did do NBC Nightly News, too. All
1: right, let's take a listen to that. He composed it. Yes and that's going to be big money coming this way. Oh fucking egg! I mean he's had to sell more than any fucking other guy out there you know and these oh, other fucking him and Egger scores um, <laughs> time for the nightly news) You're gonna see scary stuff on the news tonight. I take that back from the beginning, though. If you really think about it, you don't even consider these things as being written. <laughs> Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Oh. The nightly <laughs> news show. Uh, Mike, Mike, you're on the run of show.
3: Hey, Ronnie, uh, the original Star Trek theme, uh, the TV show, I believe John Williams did
1: that. All right, I'm going to have Dave look it up. Okay. Dave, you're backing up this Star Trek bullshit?
3: I never heard that.
1: Star Trek started in 62? No, even a little later, like 64, 65. Okay. About
0: 65,
3: I think, yeah.
0: Um, in Delight, it has John Williams is doing it, but Delight's fucking but, mislabeled as shit. Movie or TV? TV.
4: All right, let's take a listen. Wow. How old is John Williams? Um, born in thirty-two. Jesus. Seventy seven.
1: Seventy-seven some said strip. He's fucking badass. I
4: don't think he anyone can touch him. I no. mean and people he
1: talk. he's the MC Hammer of fucking guys. Can't touch this.
5: <laughs> this does I I didn't know he did this, but it sounds like him because it's got this buildup.
1: This is something else John Williams did.
5: You can't touch this.
7: You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Can't touch this.
1: I want you to put up on Feast side Dave, too, on your Twitter, about how good this is. Okay. Jeff, you're on the Renafade Show.
3: Hey, Ronnie. How are you? Yeah. Hey, John Williams did not write the Olympic music guy named Leo Arnold, Arnaud, A-R-N-A-U-D. Thank you. Jo- John Williams wrote some a different Olympic music.
1: Now, did he, did he do, like, some, the Fanfare of the Common Man?
3: No, that was Aaron Copeland.
1: Well, he gets credit, though, for the I, hold Olympic on. team. Let's just play the Fanfare of the Common Man. It's really a fucking great song. That's from the Olympics, though, that they always do. And now the other sports are stealing it, which I kind of hate. Just leave it where it belongs. I'll go fucking putting it on every single show now.
4: I mean, you have James Horner, you know, you have Denny Elfman, but they don't compare, I guess. Randy Newman. Randy Newman's great.
1: Randy Newman, actually, the natural, might be my all time (laughs) favorite of fucking music. And Ragtime is unfucking believable. Yeah.
4: And Jerry Goldsmith is pretty good.
1: This isn't it. We already played this. Uh, here's Stan. Stan, you're on of Fez.
6: Hey, buddies. Uh, my favorite John Williams song was the original
3: Lost in Space television show.
1: All right, the Lost in Space television show. Another thing that we did not know that he did. Did not know that he did this. No, I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible how much stuff I got done.
4: I mean, he he, he really... Right you know,
1: Cooter... Fuck movie season. The smallest documentaries known to man. <laughs> and, dan, 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 dan. Lost and lost in space. Let's get lost. Get real lost in space. We get lost. We get real lost in space. Oh oh. There we got our own robot, and he is a nice robot. He helps us when we all get lost in space.
5: <laughs> Danger, Will Robinson.
1: Uh here is uh Kyle. Kyle, you're on the run and Fest show.
6: Yeah, Ronnie B. Uh John Williams also did the music for Saving Private Ryan. Of
1: course he did. Spielberg was there.
6: Yeah, a couple of trumpety duets there at the end that it's Pretty
1: powerful stuff. Alright, let's take a listen. Let's take a listen to Saving Private Ryan. And then after that we're gonna move over to line four, which I didn't know about also. Uh the sadness of Saving Private Ryan. It happens. And Save a private Ryan losing everyone else. Save a private Ryan <laughs> killing Tom Hanks. Did I live a good life? Yes, ask your big-titted blonde daughter if you lived a good life. (laughs) You brought those giant tits into the world, didn't you?
4: That poor kid got stabbed by a
1: Nazi. Alright, I lost the one I wanted. Line four claimed that he was Time Tunnel. This is is a badass fucking uh, song here if he did this. Time Tunnel should have been mid-60s too, Dave.
4: Seems like he did yeah. all TV shows in the 60s. It, he was huge in the 60s. I'm even finding he did music for Gilligan's Island. Not, it doesn't say he did the theme necessarily, but his name is credited on Gilla, 20 Gilligan's Island episodes, including the pilot. Listen this.
1: Ding, <laughs> <laughs> Tick tock, tick, tock. This
5: sounds a little bit like the Planet of the Apes theme. Like someone ripped off John Williams.
1: Dennis, you're on the Run and Face Show.
3: What up, boys? I got actually two John Williams' Star Wars ones. One is there's a simple drum thing at the start. of You have no uh, like, control in this room? And the Mm-mm. other one is Duel of the Fates. Up. Duel of the Fates is probably the best one he's done in like 15 years.
4: Uh, duel of the Fates from what?
3: from uh uh, episode
4: one okay that was the one where the liam neeson was battling the darth maul character
1: i love that scene too yeah and
4: and the music is great
1: and i thought the darth maul fucking guy was amazing oh yeah this is great yeah this is fantastic the chorus this sounds like uh there's a bunch of people that are on satan's side (laughs) going to break you.
9: Tonight, on Ron Bennington interviews zombies, dead musician Keith Moon. And now, from the XM studios in New York City, Ron Bennington interviews zombies.
1: Thanks, and welcome to Ron Interview Interviews Zombies. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking to one of the greatest zombie drummers of all time, from the Who, zombie Keith Moon. How are you, Keith? <laughs> there was a style of drumming that I believe started with you that was so aggressive <laughs> and, and so ferocious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where did you pick that style up? Was it jazz? Was it blues? After you died, uh, they went with a non-zombie drummer. Did that change things between you and Peter
2: Townsend?
1: Woodstock. Was that a career highlight? Keith Moon in studio with us tonight. One word. Groupies. Really? <laughs> Keith, I would have thought after you w- died, you would have cleaned yep. up. But I still hear it in you. <laughs> Keith, now, Keith, get back! Keith, I'll shoot you! I will shoot you and blow your head off! No, Keith, don't make me do it! <laughs> Ron Bennington interviews zombies. What a pleasure to have the great Keith Moon of The Who in here. Next time, we're going to be talking with zombie Jimi Hendrix, right here on Ron Bennington Interviews Zombies.
5: This
2: exclusive presentation was recorded at the Sirius XM Studios in New York City. Out
1: of court right now, for 20 bucks. Ron Afez Show. It's kind of an interesting thing that uh, got picked up off the internet. And I don't know if there's much ado about nothing. But here is uh, Bruce Springsteen is going to be uh, the man who closes down Giant Stadium. It'll be the last concerts in Giant Stadium. And of course, uh, who else but Bruce Springsteen? This story was broke, of course, uh, by the girlfriend of our own Scruffy. So he sells out the last three shows, Fez. And he sells them out so fast That he adds two more shows. Now, the Bruce Springsteen fans are angry, saying, we thought we bought the last show at Giant Stadium. I cannot get over this. Why worry about such a thing?
5: This is a total rip-off. You thought you were going to be... The people who bought that last show thought they were going to be the last people in giant stadium
1: and that's why they wanted to go to the show not to see the guy that they're a fan of not to have a night of music but to be sitting in a building on the last night it's there
5: you know a lot of those people were going to be telling that story the rest of their lives i was there the last night of giant stadium and now and
1: let me let me say the response who fucking cares who cares how is that the important part of this all right, let me go over to the New Jersey zone, Feastside, Dave McDonald.
4: Feast side. I think it's just sour grapes by these Giants fans. Um, excuse Giants me, fans. Bruce fans, specifically because if you know the way the boss works, eighty percent of the time he adds shows. Not only that, so
1: does every other performer. Exactly. You know what I mean? When you go, Elton John will say, "I'm selling four at Madison Square Garden." If four shows out sells out,
4: he's adding a fifth. I purposely did not, even though I get the East Street email alert. Uh-huh. Okay, I did not get uh-huh. tickets because I knew that the boss was going to add shows, like he's done for twenty five years. Yeah, this is not
1: uncommon. Not even just for him, but for anyone else. Here's our good uh, friend
3: Photoshop Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, fellas. What's going on? Uh, Listen, the same thing happened with Billy Joel when he did the uh, last play at Shea. We got tickets for the last play at Shea, and then they added a second show the next night, and a lot of people were waiting online, paying all kinds of ridiculous prices for them, uh,
5: and and they got kind of stuck. Like Fez is saying, it's kind of a rip. I mean, I wanted to see him play anyway, but then they tore the stadium down, so they got two nights out of one, you
3: know?
6: But
1: who wouldn't want to do that? And the fact is, are you there to see Billy Joel
4: or look at a building? Well, we didn't see Billy Joe, but then the problem was when they added the second show, that's
3: when they got, like, Paul McCartney to come down and, and do all this stuff with, with different guests.
4: Yeah,
1: but was, you I saw think. John Mellencamp, so you can't be too mad. Well, I guess. <laughs> all right, let, let's get something here. Yeah. Southside Johnny is coming to Giant Stadium. Bon Jovi is going to be there at Giant Stadium. The Jersey guys are going to come out for this. You're not going to be able to stop them.
5: I think that what Photoshop Mike brought up about Shay is even worse, especially if you're calling the ticket the last play at Shay and it ends up not being the last one.
4: The last play at Shay. Those are the last two shows. It's, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, the shows are going to be similar. I know Bruce will change a couple songs. It'll be the same. You know what? This goes back
1: into that collecting bullshit. Instead of using something, you want to save a ticket and sell it later. It's really fucking crazy to me. Sammy and Queen join the Ronnie Fez show.
7: Hey, Ronnie and Fezzi. Listen, this is no surprise if you're a Springsteen fan. He's always added more shows on back since the 80s, the Giant Stadium or the Meadowlands. You know what I'm saying?
1: But, you know what? He did not invent this. They'll say, okay, the sound of music is going off Broadway at such and such a date. When those sell out, they're going to say, held over by popular demand. And try to sell another week, and then another week after that. This is what you do when you have demand for your product.
5: But I think this is a unique circumstance where the building's being torn down. If he's going to add dates, he should have added them on the front end. What? We're uh, coming earlier
1: than we said.
4: i got to be honest. <laughs> as a Giants and Bruce Springsteen fan... yeah. The last days of Giant Stadium are just not a big yeah, deal. We're
1: not talking about the last days of Yankee Stadium here. <laughs> is... We're talking about a cement fucking elephant that no
4: one really cared about anyway. A, a, a lacking personality, cold building that was built in the early 70s. You know what I would like? I'd like to see this.
1: <laughs> oh, it's the last uh, football game at Giant Stadium. Oh, no, now those fuckers made the playoffs. <laughs> I thought I had the last ticket, but they're on to the playoffs. Here's a nice sports story for you, Fez. See if me and you agree on this one. Uh, LeBron James is taking uh, shit right now from the NBA and the NBA commissioner for not shaking hands after the loss.
5: Yeah. Uh, David Stern, you should tell uh, LeBron James, yes, in this league, sportsmanship is part of it. We shake hands. Why?
1: What are we, in Little League? The guy just lost the playoffs. You ever see any handshaking in uh, baseball? No. So what's the difference? What is the difference? If sportsmanship is so important and the fans care about it, why don't they want to see the Yankees go out and shake hands after uh, the fucking Cardinals beat them this year?
5: They're probably, I think there probably should be uh, handshaking in baseball. There's
1: I'm not, though. So there's not, so why aren't all those guys picked up? Is there handshaking in football?
5: There's uh, where the coaches meet across the field at each other.
1: So what's that got to do with LeBron? Why is it only LeBron James do I hear being called out on this? He just lost the playoffs. The guy gave his heart and soul. He's not allowed to be disappointed? What the fuck is sportsmanship anyway When we're, when we're talking about... Uh, professional players because to me sportsmanship is not hurting the other guy not giving a cheap shot uh, on the other team but as far as going over and going oh I'm glad that you won come on we understand a lot of guys fall on the ground and cry when they lose the fucking championship
4: and isn't this something we always rail against on this show? Is that we hate when athletes are, you know, uh, friendly with op- op- opponents Well, and, first and of fake- all, there's two things. Yeah,
1: that's the thing that I hate. For me, what's even worse, that if LeBron, if it's in his personality to go over it and shake hands, but to not do that, to not feel that, and then be forced to go over, I think that's the fucking embarrassing thing. Uh, here is... um Mike. Mike, you're on the Run and Fez show.
3: Hey, buddies! I was out uh, outside the arena when that happened. Uh, at the end of that game, and if you saw the game right at the end, LeBron, as soon as it was over, ran right out of the, uh, off the court, and he got into a private helicopter immediately and in thin, thin gear to the private airport and headed out of there. Didn't even stay around with the team or nothing. By himself did that. I, I felt that was just completely unsportsmanlike, and it's kind of a douche move for him to do.
1: But here's the deal. You guys are acting like LeBron James is the junior at Villanova. This is a multi-fucking millionaire. He is not a normal guy. For you to say, uh, I want to see the same kind of sportsmanship that we demand in Little League, it's it's a fucking fantasy. Even if he were to do those things, mm-hmm. it's a fantasy. He's not a regular fucking guy. He's Mick Jagger now. And that's like people were going... Well, I think Mick Jagger should be in the bus with the other guys. Just shut up. Stop acting like everybody is equal. They are not. Not on that fucking team. Uh, here is um, here is Mark in Boston. Mark, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Ronnie, yeah. the, uh, the, deal with, the deal with LeBron James is he's getting paid to play. It's not the integrity of sport. And when he loses that game, and he doesn't go to the finals, he misses out on millions of dollars. I wouldn't be shaking anybody's hand either.
1: He, it really is uh, bizarre that we want to play these fantasies. Brad in Atlanta, you're on the run of face show.
3: Hey, buddies. Uh, David Stern should also be ridiculing the you know, Magic for letting their fans boo the Cleveland Cavaliers after the game was over, during the trophy ceremony, when they mentioned the Cleveland Cavaliers, the crowd just started booing like crazy. David Stern should also be working with promoting the fans having good sportsmanship if they're going to go and have the team be ridiculed about the sportsmanship.
1: Let's face it, sportsmanship means something completely different in professional sports. Is uh, LeBron James a sportsman? Yes. Did he go out and play for free last year for the United States of America in the Olympics? Did he help lead that team to the gold medal which people were predicting including UFEz, that we weren't going to get? Yes. There's a guy who's showing sportsmanship he's a multi-million dollar performer who gave his time uh, for his country uh, in the Olympics and handled it well. Acted like a gentleman was basically uh, over there spreading his good name and t-shirt logo in China, red shirt, Ronnie Fez.
3: Hey, Ronnie B. I was going to say that uh, I think that a lot of the feel-good uh, sportsmanship stuff is like feel-good politics, uh, where the politics don't do anything. Like a gun law doesn't do anything except make people feel good. And uh, making LeBron shake hands wouldn't do anything. I mean, the guy's uh, paid to play. It's not like he's you know playing out of his heart. He's paid to play. If he wants to do something, you know, really. For the, for the community, go out and do something, uh, give some money to charity, go out and do charitable events and stuff like that.
1: No one, no one has ever said even once in his life that this guy's a bad citizen. I mean, there's nobody that carries himself better, I don't think right now, and has that team on his shoulders. And if you really want to be honest about it, he's got a, a big part of that league on his shoulders. Um, what more do you want from Charles? Charles, you're on
3: yeah, Ron, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Sportsmanship's like shaking hands is for kids, you know, mm-hmm. in Little League, like you said. Well, that's what sport- you see
1: in baseball. The guys in, in, in Major League Baseball line up to shake each other's hands. <coughs> they support each other. Hey, Ken, you're on Running Fez.
3: Hey, what up, Ronnie B. What up, Fezzy? Hey, hey uh, what about the message LeBron's sending to the kids? I mean, shouldn't he set an example about, you know, be a, be a man – Be, you know, have some sportsmanship, take winning or losing gracefully, just like you would winning?
1: Uh, I really don't think in the year 2009 we want our kids looking up to sports stars. I think it's as stupid as you said, if you were to say to your kids, I want you to look up to hip hop stars, I want you to sit there and try to live your life like Eminem. I mean, wouldn't that be insane? For somebody to say that. that. That would be crazy. And that's, how is that any less crazy than I want you to, son, I want you to look up to LeBron. It just doesn't make fucking sense.
4: Nor is it practical. It's like, I want you to look up to a 6'10 guy right. who can jump eight feet in the air. Who,
1: by the way, is a stranger <laughs> and is so far out of our tax bracket, I'd get a nosebleed if I tried to go there. Uh, here is uh, John. John, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Hey, guys, uh, I think it's the same type of thing, too, when people complain that they waited for so long after a game to try and get an autograph when it's, you know, they put their heart and soul or they put their effort for three hours out there. Who's going to stay around to sign an autograph? And in that situation, who's going to stay to shake hands after losing a huge game?
1: Uh, Here is Mark. Mark, you're on the Ron Fez Show.
3: Hey, Ronnie B. Um, I'm wondering if it's not so much the word of sportsmanship as much as respect. I agree with you when you say that he is – um, the type of guy that maybe that's his personality not to shake hands. He's unhappy, he's pissed off, whatever. But uh hockey players do it after each round of the playoffs. You see boxers do it after a, after a big boxing match. They Not they, everyone.
1: They Some do it, but why should everybody do it? How about well, this? To me, real respect is if the person wants to show respect. You know? But let's suppose this. If... If part of my job was I had to show up here every day and tell O&A good show. And part of my job was I had to stand at the door and say good show, good show, good show. What would that fucking mean to O&A? Nothing. Now, if I do uh, get in here and they have a good show and I say to them good show, they know that I'm fu- that's coming from me. Uh-huh. It's not being forced upon me, and I'm not forced to stand here every day when they finish their fucking show. It, it would take away any respect that I had for coworkers because I would be forced to fucking do it. That's the part that drives me fucking crazy about this. Uh, here is, uh, Jim. Jim, you're on the Run of Fed show.
0: If after that loss, LeBron went over to Dwight Howard and joked around, them and went smiled,
3: Cavs fans would be infuriated. You're not supposed to be happy when you lose. That's a lesson that people at home. The,
1: the people at home that are Cavs fans were fucking destroyed. They thought that this was their year. Now, why would LeBron be any different? He busted his ass. He's been playing basketball now, including the Olympics. For the last fucking, you know, 20 fucking months or whatever. And he loses in something he was supposed to win. How could the guy not be devastated?
5: But I don't think anyone's talking about him going over there and smiling and being happy and hanging out with the magic. I think maybe, you know, just a fist bump or something.
1: So that he didn't do it, right? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to have the opinion then of LeBron's a dick. That's fine. But why do you want to force him, through his job, to go over and do a fist bump? What does that mean to you? What
5: are you getting out of it? I just think that it's a it would be a nice, classy gesture that helps the league, too.
1: How's it going to help the league? You think you don't watch fucking basketball, and they could be down there rubbing their asses together. It's not going to change you. I like to watch basketball. Dave likes to watch basketball. And guess what? We're not watching if everybody fist pumps at the end of the fucking game. We've either moved on or we're checking out um, uh, you know, the, the plays after the fact.
4: But we're not watching the guys on the floor to see if they're nice to each other. The league needs more LeBrons because, quite frankly, we're sick of being sports fans who, in the end, feel like we're wrestling fans. There's a lot of times
1: with some of these teams... That as a fan, you feel like you care more than the owner who you see sitting next to the owner, other owner, and they're giggling and they're laughing during the game. The coaches who go out and do clinics together afterwards and the players who all work for the same goddamn shoe company. As a fan, you feel like I fucking care. I want these guys to win. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to quote somebody. It's a very good friend of mine. Hi, Rock Johnny. And he says, Giants. A Giants, Yankees, a Giants, Knicks, Giants, Rangers, Giants, Yankees, Giants. Um, here is uh, uh, here is uh, Carl. Carl, you're on the Run and hey.
3: Show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, the other players that LeBron beat earlier in the playoff series, they all went and shook his hand, showed him that respect after he won, Why shouldn't he show that same kind of respect? It is not
1: fucking. Well, hold on. It is not respect if you're forced to do it. For you to sit there, Carl, and say, he's a dick, he didn't show respect back. I dig that. I say, have that opinion, that's great. But the second we force someone to do that, it's not fucking respect. That takes, you- that takes respect out of the fucking thing, and this is a way not to get fined. I don't understand why you don't get this. What is wrong by going, LeBron's a dick? I don't like LeBron. He doesn't shake hands. Anybody who wants to have that opinion can, but you don't have to fucking, when you force that guy, you're no longer looking at respect. You have taken manners out of the fucking equation. Uh, Bruce in Louisiana, you're on the Round of Fez show.
3: Yeah, hi, guys. Um, I believe that if, you know, a a lot more gay individuals would be watching basketball if they allowed fisting at the end of the game.
5: Nice try, Bruce.
1: Uh, here is, uh, I'm going to guess Mike in Florida. Mike.
3: Yeah, I mean, he shook hands after a first two series that they won, but when they lose one, he doesn't have enough class to go and shake hands. I, I, I mean, you, you can hate him or not like him for it or anything, but, I mean, it's just kind of being a poor sport.
1: I, well, you can say that, but I, I want you to understand something. I don't think I'm getting through to people. You will now be able to judge him whether and, or what kind of person you think he is. But the second that you force people to do that by fines, you're
4: not getting respect. You're only getting obedience. It's why the end of hockey is a joke. The fact that these guys are crushing each other and then have to skate and shake each other's hands, it's some you know it, it makes no sense. It's not plausible. And the fans know that, and that's why hockey is struggling to get mass appeal.
1: All right, let's do the thing where the guys, at the end of a football game, they all sit and pray, right? Uh-huh. And you find out who the Christians are. Right, yeah. If everybody fucking was forced to do that would it have more meaning or less meaning
5: it would probably have less meaning if it was you know a part of the game
1: yes so now you see the guys that, that say I want to show the world I'm a Christian same thing could happen here with, um, with the sports the person who is a guy who's like hey I don't care whether we win or lose I want to show respect that guy can be seen. And guys like LeBron who are like, this pisses me off. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And I don't want to see anybody get until next year. Then you get to uh, see them. Eric. Eric, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Hey, I, I dig what you're saying. I, I understand that it's forced. And, and you know, he's, he's a star player, so he should be up there whenever, whenever uh, he loses, especially in that light. But he's also a role model. For a lot of kids, and it's called character. You know, right, you got to do those types of things Eric, in situations Eric. that are very, very tough. Here's to what move. you
1: here's what you need to understand, though. If you're pointing this out to a kid, right? Okay. The guy is still a role model, even by doing something poorly. That you could turn to your kid and saying, "Look at this. As good as LeBron is, he doesn't have enough fucking character to go over and and, and thank the other team."
3: Don't, right, I dig that, man, I dig
1: that. That, would, that is your position as a father. Or some fathers would say, you know what, I hate LeBron going over there and shaking hands with a big smile on his face. It shows he doesn't, he shows that he doesn't like it. Because I've known those fathers, I've known those fathers that hate to lose and hate when their kids lose. Colin, you're on a Fez.
3: Oh, brothers, fuck that role model shit. I watched at least once a month my father showed me the clip of Jack Tatum smashing that guy's helmet in the 81 Super Bowl. Unbelievable shit. I I don't think there's enough hatred in pro sports now. I I, want to see guys that legitimately don't want to get along with each other. It's like it's all one big fucking team out there. It's too much, man.
1: Well, you already got – if you look at stuff like the NFL, what competition factor is there now for the owners? When you can make the same money in a small market that loses as with the team in a large market that wins, where's the competition in that? What reason is there to fucking care? It's You will look at a lot of people in that game who don't care one way or another. Steve-O, you're on the Run a show. Steve, once, twice. You're out. Here's Corey in Canada. Corey, you're on the Run of Fez show.
3: Hey, Ronnie. How you doing? Yeah. I get your point, and uh, I see it, but my thing is, is I think that, you know, it, you can call it on as
7: classiness or not, but it's just the same thing as standing up at the beginning for the anthem. You may not be an American. You may
3: not be a Canadian, but you stand there, and you do it because it's part of the game, and it's part of the culture, and that's what makes you part of a man and part of a warrior. If you've, getting, you've been beat, you take your licks, you stand up there, you...
1: But here's the thing, If, if, if you want to know who really cares about the National Anthem, it would be interesting if you could stand or sit on your own. I would get a better read, and I would feel like I was in a more honest situation than I would for people that are forced to stand up. That's what I don't get. For some reason, we want to take this freedom thing and throw it out the fucking window every chance we get. All we want to do is force everybody to go along. And then then forget free choice. There is nothing wrong with saying to your kid, that fucking LeBron is a red ass. There's a guy with no fucking class. He wouldn't go over and shake hands. Instead of acting like, oh my God, he didn't shake hands. Now my kid is going to grow up to be retarded.
5: But wouldn't it be a good decision for him to shake the hands even uh, uh, just as a business decision? That would be his decision. Then he can make that point. Why am I
1: making fucking LeBron's decisions for him?
5: Well, it's because I think what's good for LeBron is also good for the league. Uh, The more popular he is, the more popular the league's going to be. Says who? And vice versa.
1: You know what? Uh, When I was a little kid... Used to boo fucking Pete Rose when he was out of town, when he came to fucking Philadelphia. Loved him. You should boo the other fucking guy. There's kind of a sign of respect there. Nobody boos a bum. And I don't give a shit how many fucking t-shirts that the LeBron sells or the NBA sells. I fucking care about watching the game itself. After that, there's their fucking business. But I don't need to put a fucking gun to somebody's head and have them act a certain way. Um, here is, um, here's Blake. Blake, you're on the run finish, Blake from Canada.
3: Hey, guys. I just wanted to say something like that. I think it shows a lot of heart on behalf of the player. If he is so pissed off about losing, he's not willing to shake hands afterwards. Like, he was really out there trying. I don't know if you guys watch any NASCAR, but Kyle Busch, you know, he runs so hard. And if he doesn't win at the end, man, he's pissed. Sometimes he's so pissed, he just says, fuck it to his team and let them deal with the car afterwards. He won't even bring it to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me... I want to if I'm working with guys, I want to I want to I, I I respect the guys who want to fucking win more than people that are nice fucking guys. I could give a shit how nice people are. If I'm in a fucking business, I'd rather win. Uh, here is, um, here's uh Texas Chris. Chris, you're on Hey,
3: guys, I love the show. Um. My point is I I became more of a LeBron fan this year than than I ever have been before. I think he's an incredible athlete. But But the point you make about these guys, they don't sign up to be role models. They don't sign these contracts to be a professional athlete with the intent of becoming a role model. But I think it's absolutely an unavoidable thing. When they're on every Nike commercial and every every time you turn the TV on, they're on ESPN. These guys are unavoidable role models, and I think they need to make some better decisions about the messages they're sending. Even if they don't like doing it, we gotta, we got to do some things. Sometimes we don't really like doing, but they need to take a little bit more responsibility about uh, the message that they're sending out. Because there's a lot of kids out there staring at them every day.
1: Well, guess what? If you if it's your kids, you got to step in front of that thing, and you got to be the role model.
3: I agree. And I not
1: expect LeBron James to raise your kids because he went into that fucking League as 18. If they're looking up to a skateboarder or a fucking hip-hop star or a rock star more than you, what's that fucking tell you? Now who isn't doing their job? Now look who hasn't taken responsibility and stepped up. One of the things that we fucking keep coming back to on this show, and it drives me crazy, is how many times we want people to conform to instead of being free, and we don't want responsibility. Every fucking day, I'm constantly hearing on this show how something is someone else's responsibility. Maybe we'd eventually just take a big shit on the fucking Constitution. Because it seems like everything that it's about, we don't fucking care about one way or another. All right, that is it for us. Uh, we will see you guys uh, tomorrow.
5: There is a free screening of Last Night in Brooklyn. That is the film by Franklin. That's going on Thursday, June 18th, 8 p.m. at the Lion's Den Sports Cafe and Grill, 17 Page Avenue on Staten Island. That's June 18th. And uh, that's the end of my show. Donk.
2: love to watch things on TV. Live.